Today is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Woo! Today is a saucy one. All right. So you can always, I can always tell like, you know, what, what platform is going to, is going to probably gravitate towards which podcast. BitChute, you guys are going to love this. YouTube, you guys are going to hate this. Um, anyway, so, um, oh gosh, I don't even know, man. Today we talk about everything. We, we, we hit things pretty hard, harder than usual. This is kind of out of character for our, our room. Um, the first question of the day talks about, you know, if God commanded you to rape babies, would you? So, you know, if you don't, have, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That's, that's like one of the tamest discussions we have. Then it goes to, uh, you know, Muslims and, you know, book burning bans and, you know, should, uh, like somewhere in the Netherlands are trying to make it Denmark or something. They're trying to make it illegal to burn Qurans. Someone suggests, oh, maybe she's all burn Qurans. And I, I don't know. Let's see what happens. I think we know what will happen. Um, and then why is one holy book more prized over another, et cetera, et cetera. Then we talk about a ton of trans issues, like super involved, more on the psychological side of it. And, you know, the Dr. Frankenstein monsters, um, not Dr. Frankenstein's monster, Dr. Frankenstein's who are monsters, um, who do these like, you know, messed up botch surgeries and uh you know what makes the suicide rate in the trans community skyrocket um turns out it's not people saying mean things to them it's a bunch of dr frankensteins hacking them up and then they're like oh crap this didn't work i'm in constant pain i want to die and then many times they do um so yeah we we pull very few punches oh and then for a little bit of theology because you know that that matters somewhere in there um we talk about tongues and the biblical way of speaking in tongues and what that means compared to Romans 26, is it? 26, 28? Or, I'm, hang on. Let me just find it. Where is it? Ah, I think I know this stuff better. Okay. We contrast 1 Corinthians 14, 28 and the biblical prescription for speaking in tongues with the other common commonly understood thing is Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26, and 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 28, I already forgot. Anyways, but those two things, right? So one is speaking in tongues, the biblical prescription, where there is an interpreter and it's done in a church setting and all that. And if there's not an interpreter, be quiet. And then a lot of times people conflate them, and that's where everyone talks past each other, which happens today. But I think we cleared it up in the end, where the other one is not necessarily talking in tongues, the biblical prescribed way for a church setting, but it's with groanings and utterings. So, like, you know, when you're beside yourself, when you don't know the words to say, um, you know, the Spirit prays for you with these utterings that don't, they go deeper than words. So, colloquially, people will just be like, yeah, talking in tongues. But technically... It is a difference. One is talking in tongues, like the gift of tongues with interpretations. The other is groanings and utterings. So, um, anyway, that's some of the fun we have for you today. Uh, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt. Support this podcast. Or, you know, burn, burn the t-shirt. I don't care. Just buy a t-shirt and burn it if you want. If you hate God, hate religion, hate this discussion, you know, buy a couple t-shirts and burn them. Just like people are apparently burning the Qurans in Denmark. Um... Anyway, so uh, you can also, what else can you do? You can donate. You can help keep us going, having these surprisingly civil conversations about Christi uh, Christianity, religion, God, with people on the internet who are sometimes less than civil. Um, even some of our own, we're working on that. And share these links. Take care. Have an awesome day. See you later. Do you want to do this to yourself? Well, it's like, you know, it's I, like I actually, 
Well, well, I prepared a little bit today because, you know, for all the dead space. So I I looked at a bunch of, uh, you know, religiously inspired articles of the news so I could have something to talk about when everyone's, uh, you know, when everyone raises their hand and like five people raise their hand. They're like, I want to get on stage. I want to get on stage. And I'm like, all right, what do you have to say? And they're like, nothing, just listening. I'm like, well, you can do that from the crowd. Anyway, so uh, for those dead spaces, I actually got some stuff to talk about. But yes, let's do this. So what what has um, what has befallen today? You. So, you know, Tom <laughs> Rabbit, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Um, Tom played a uh, audio clip of Jane asking John, what is his most controversial belief? So John busts out with, if God commanded me to rape babies, I would do so. <laughs> well, that's enough of the internet today. Everyone yeah. have a good day and we'll yeah. see you next time. <laughs> Thanks, internet. Not today. Seriously, I've never met people like all these people and all these views. Like, and, and you know, everyone's got stories, right? Like, I'm the I'm the crazy guy, and it's like, look, I've been to churches like all different denominations all across the the, the United States, and I mean, you know, maybe it's because I don't stick around, and, like you know, go go like get super involved in the drama and controversy, controversy. But you know, I go. It seems like biblically sound enough preaching. I've never gone to a church that's been like, I'm like, wow, I cannot come back here because of the unbiblicalness of it. Like, there's been some things that may not be correct or may not be, you know, some, may not be super biblical. But I mean, it would be like a difference of opinion, or I, I don't know how to say it. But I mean, it's not like abject heresy or or something like that. So, um. And, you know, I've gone to non-denominational churches and churches with no no distinct names on the front. So my chance of picking these churches are just as good as any. But you come to Clubhouse, it's like every second person you meet, they're like, yes, I was looking for Jesus and I wandered into a cult. Like, what the heck kind of buildings do you do you find? Like, and then all these views, right? It's like, if God commanded me to rape babies, I'd do that. Not once outside the Internet have I ever heard any, anyone say clip, anything uh, close that was a sweet to that. Clip. <laughs> anyway so what uh gee i mean is, is do we need to talk about what was said i mean i guess they i mean did they agree because they're atheists and they're like oh we write babies just not because we believe in a god <laughs> uh shout out demons just kidding mostly i hope i'm kidding no i, I mean <laughs> obviously it was morally repugnant to everybody and uh yeah i mean it's just he says these things as if they're these great totems of wisdom and they're just not. I mean, okay. So if, you know, I mean, on one hand, I don't know if he, if he tries to do this or if he's like secretly recording everyone, he's going to be like, I've got content for ages now. Um, I mean, you know, if you want to say something inflammatory to get a response, that's how you do the internet. Um, but that's not my, that's not my thing, which is why I got like three people. Um, but so sure. I mean, I guess what his goal is, if you want to get a rise, congratulations, you a master. If you want to give the right answer um, in some sort of, you know, ethereal, abstract way. Sure. If God, you know, described in the Bible, right, armies of angels with eyes everywhere and like, you know, freaking out, like making you like completely, you know, fall on your face as dead and, you know, the holiness of God, um, you're going to do whatever that being commands you to do. So, right, in, in some way, sure, if God commanded that, you and all the atheists and all the people morally repugnated by that would do whatever this God commands. However, 
Fortunately, we have the scripture, we have a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, while in some ethereal world, some abstract universe, that could happen, it will never happen under the Christian paradigm. So our God will never be in a position, nor will we be in a position, to do anything morally repugnant like that. So, I mean, you know, you got like the, the true answer, which is no, that will never happen. But some way for a thought experiment, anyone would do whatever this God commanded them to do without question. Even the atheist that says, I'm going to give this God a piece of my mind. No, you're not. You're going to do exactly what he says. Um, anyway, so. I don't know. Is that too thought out? Everyone I don't know, man. Look, I just made you, you quiet. I just made you quiet. <laughs> now I'm taking crazy but, pills. Well, wait. I mean, you, okay. So. You would, I would, so in some world, right, given all those like disclaimers I put up, you would agree with John Reed. I mean, basically, there's no agreement, right? It is, okay, just for, forget a specific religion, forget, forget a specific God. If there is a being that is so powerful that you, you cannot do, right? Here's your Calvinist, uh, you know, anti God Calvinist deity. If there's a God that's so powerful and so ominous and so scary that no one can resist anything this thing says to do, then it's not a question of do you have a choice. It's a question of if this God says do something, you're just doing it, right? I mean, you have to go so far down to get to that point. But I mean, for this thought experiment, no one can, it doesn't matter how morally repugnated someone is, in, in, this, in this situation, you don't have a choice. You're just going to do whatever this deity says. You, you can't help it. You can be like, oh, I don't like that, as you're doing it. You can be like, no, no, I'm not going to do it, as you're doing it. I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm not I'm not John Lee here, but I, I'm saying, like, it's a binary choice, right? I'm like, hey, tur uh, I command you to turn on that light. You're like, no, I refuse. Well, you can't refuse. So you're, you're like, refuse, I refuse, I refuse, as you're moving closer, as your arms raising, as your fingers turning the light switch. You're like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So, I mean, I guess someone can, like, deny reality, but, I mean, you know, if that is truly reality, you're turning that you light off. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had some saucy articles about uh, Muslims fighting Hindus uh, for all the people that say how bad Christians are and how peaceful Hindus are. There is no Christian in that. It's Muslims and Hindus fighting. I thought that was spicy, but you you lead the way with this now, and now I think you've got me taking the side of John Lee, which I am not doing. Um. Oh, man, yeah, there's good stuff. I don't know. Hey, Tyler, um, so John Lee's new thing is if God commanded him to rape babies, he would do so. And there's audio of him saying this. Well, can we, take... can we get some audio of, like, atheists saying stuff that you can We have a Mohammedan recording, by the way. You have what? A what now? A Mohammedan recording. Gabith, that dude. That's Jake, the Muslim metaphysician. Recording. Oh, yeah. yeah. What did he yeah. say? He's on a LARP account. So you can get in Christian rooms and sit there and listen. Recording but, uh, John? No, just recording any Christian rooms. Oh. Well, tell him to come here. He'll be super bored. He left. I mean, you know, generally, rape. we don't defend baby rape. <laughs> mm. 
Anyway, uh, John Lee, man, something else. I don't even think he's a, well, let me not be uncharitable, but he needs to get off this app and start reading. Hmm. Yeah, he does not do enough reading. And just like that. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know. Spends too much time on this app talking to atheists. Well, probably. I mean, some, I don't know, somewhere between, uh, somewhere between being like a, a bad Christian or just being an awful speaker. I don't know. Where's that line? Mm. I feel like it's both with him. Terrible at communicating his point. Pretty bad at being a Christian. Pretty sure he's still cohabitating with a woman he's not married to. So, Yeah, all of the above. I mean, I don't think there's any danger of John carrying out any weird commands from God that he might hear because he can't even carry out the basic ones. It's got to be like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> if I'm if I'm asked the question, I'm just not going to enter. That's just an impious notion to entertain. Like, we're if you're a Christian, you shouldn't even entertain the question. It's just an impious notion. It's a demonic uh, notion, really. Well, I mean, uh, you know, before Chris led me on a on a. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, people have asked, I, people have asked like some more things. I don't know if they've asked that directly in here. Yeah, you I don't mean, entertain that question because it's an insult well, I mean, I to would, the nature of God. It's just impious. Well, it is, but I mean, you know, being being as as accurate. I, I mean, the, the true answer is that would never happen, right? So, I mean, you could like I wouldn't mind entertaining the question, but I would entertain the question as that would just never happen. Like, yeah, if you like wanna, saying that. Like, Saying like God what? commands you to do X immoral act, like something that we know to be immoral, it's just not God. Like you ask me, right, but I mean, just, the question yeah, and, is and, supposing something contradictory about the nature of God. I know, and maybe that's because people are you know woefully ignorant, as we see on full display every day. So you know, maybe you know, take that chance to educate them. Like, well, that would never happen, and then they say like, well, well, you know, people, God's commanded people in the Bible to do stuff. Why wouldn't He do that? Uh, why wouldn't he command you to do stuff today? Like, John why wouldn't he Lee command you like, to? Yeah. Instead, John well, Lee like, just answers the question. He's like, "Yes, I would do. I would do X <laughs> or more act if I like." I don't know, man. Oh, I'm not you a need fan. to take him under your wing. Hey, Tyler, <laughs> I'm not is taking uh, nobody under my wing. Yo. Is Gabif the? Um, is that Jake? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, come up Usually, he runs away when you uh, when you show up or Sig shows up. Because you guys destroy his Wait, LPP who, argument. Who is who is Jake? As it's, usual, I don't know uh, this is Muslim person, uh, mainly known on the YouTube scene. It runs like these LPT oh. arguments and stuff. What's up, Gabbeth? or Jake or whatever. <laughs> 
Hey, what? I'm not weak. Speak again. I'm just around. I'm, I'm just around young. Around young dudes. I can't really make out what you're saying, bro. Uh, he says he's not Jake, but you're also really hard to hear. I don't know if you can fix your mic, but if you want to, feel free to fix your mic and talk or ask a question or something. Hey, Amos, what's up, Amos? Uh, how you doing? Ask me in a little bit. <laughs> how are you doing? That's better. Yeah, we hear you better. How are you doing, Amos? Yeah, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good, good. Anything on your mind today? As in question. What? As in a question. Sure. Do you have a question? No, oh. no. Nah, nah. I just joined to see if Gabif was uh, Jake. Oh. All right, Gabif, who is not Jake, uh, did you have a question or something to talk about? No, I don't. I'm just listening. <laughs> All right. I'm prepared for this. All right. All right. When everyone wants to get on stage and is just listening, it may be in my fault I invited them. Let's see. We can talk about... Ooh, here we go. All right, pick your poison. Uh, the Pope heads to Portugal to lay groundwork for the church's future and his own legacy, which is probably going to be LGBTQIA plus PS friendly. We can talk about Denmark seeks to legally prevent burnings of Quran and other religious scriptures. Um, I have a feeling the Bible's not one of those. I haven't read the whole thing yet. In India, uh, peaceful Hindus clash with Muslims and five die. Um, let's see. A couple more choices here. Do you believe in angels? Seven out of ten the... U.S. What? I'm talking about the Hindu one. Okay. Let, let me burn through these other topics real quick. Uh, then we'll go back to that. Seven out of ten adults uh, do believe in angels. So um, just a reminder, the, not, not an argument to populists. But uh, atheists are in the extreme minority of the planet. Uh, let's see. Lebanon's Hezbollah leader urges Muslims to punish Quran de uh, desecrators, even if the government fails to do so. All right. Let's see. In India. All right. Authorities have posed a curfew and suspended Internet and deployed thousands of paramilitary forces for peaceful people. Um, on Tuesday, as parts of some state, uh, deadly communal clashes spread to different cities outside the capital of New Delhi. Violence began Monday afternoon when Hindus and Islam is uh, Muslim Hindus and Muslims clashed with each other in some state during a religious procession by a Hindu nationalist group. Hmm. Uh, the press blah, 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 reported uh, at least four, including two officers, police officers, were killed. More than 20 police officers were in <laughs> injured in uh, the violence of Oh, and dozens of cars were set on fire. Uh, let's see. Tensions later spilled over to another town 20 miles away where mobs torched... Oh, where peaceful Hindus... Where peaceful Hindus uh, torched a mosque and killed a Muslim cleric late. That's rough. Um, just just let me reiterate, no Christians mentioned in any of this. Uh, let's see. There were no report, uh, reports of fresh violence a couple days later. Yeah, so I guess... Um, Let's see, the guilty will not be spared, blah, blah, blah. So I guess my takeaway from this is the next time someone talks about how Christianity is responsible for the woes of the world and why we're so bad and we should follow a nice, peaceful religion like Hinduism, um, well, we should just cite that article. What do you think on that, Chris? Do you want to convert to a peaceful religion like Hinduism? or? Uh, and again, not that everyone is uh, you know, without their, their crazy people, 
and you know religions of peace like Christianity still has its crazy people. But when someone wants to promote like the entire religion is peaceful, clearly it is not Hinduism. Clearly. So do you want to convert yet, Chris? Or uh, no, Hindus are are extremely violent. Yeah, they um, they have a history, a pretty terrible history of uh, killing Christians. Um, I would imagine Islam is probably part of part of like uh, the subject of persecution there as well. But I only know about Christian persecution. So recently, there's been a video leak of these uh, gross Hindu men surrounding this one Christian woman. She was completely naked. And they ended up uh, doing what you expect uh, uh, them to do. And this history of them lynching like Christians in the streets, the, their bodies hanging out in the middle of the streets and stuff. So there is a terrible history between Hindus and Christians. Hindus are not peaceful people at all. Not even remotely. You want to talk about child sex trafficking? The Hindus do just as much as the Muslims, by the way. I actually recently saw um, something on Twitter. Well, now called X, but uh, sort of like a report on this 11 year old who was sold by her father to a 54 year old man for about 200,000 Yemeni reals. And she ended up, they ended up like recovering the child uh, and getting her out of that marriage, but not before she was raped and tortured for like, uh, I think it was like six months, uh, intense vaginal bleeding, broken bones and things like this. And then they finally pulled her out of the marriage. And there's a, there's a document talking, like going over the details. I can't read Arabic, but, uh. I can actually just link it in here. Hold on. Throw it in the Google Translator. It sounds like there's enough details already. I don't want to know. Yeah. Probably not. Just trying to help on a technical level. I don't need to know anymore either. Yeah. Except how peaceful it is. Yes. Truly peaceful religion, but um, well, I mean, I mean, what I mean, that, ah, that that still bothers me. I mean, you know, switching religions. That's like you know, if you if you're like, we're the religion of peace. Yeah, everyone is peaceful. Like, I mean, okay, you, there may be some people that no matter how much you want to be on their side, they'll kill you anyway because they're crazy. But I mean, most people in the world, whatever their ideology is, if you totally bite into it and agree wholeheartedly without reservation, sure, you'll be peaceful with those people. Um, it's, you know, it's when you have dissenters and dis people who disagree with you, then how peaceful are you? Well, turns out a lot of people who promote peace and stuff like that are not very peaceful when you start disagreeing with them. So it's like, well, you know, what good is it if, if you're like peaceful only with people who want to be peaceful with you? It's like you could test how peaceful someone is by how peaceful you are in the face of them disagreeing with you. Yep. And their peace is, remember, when they say we're peaceful, that is part of their lies as well. That They can lie, like, 
up to three, three uh, times or three things like to their wives, uh, to like something, I forgot what it was, to make peace and then in the midst of war, like meaning that in the midst of war. Oh, yeah, Takia, that's what I was talking about, that one. Makes me think of Taco Tuesday for some reason. <laughs> I love Taco Tuesday, but yeah. Yeah, that's... It, yeah, it's like their God allows them to deceive people. And, you know, it, it's like, uh, and I, I just can't, I can't, man. It's like you cannot talk to people. Like, you know, I'll answer the question, but when other people start, like, asking them or, like, you know, about asking them questions, I just kind of check out because I'm like, well, how do you know, right? Like, their religion gives them permission to lie, and then some will say, no, no, that's only if we're being persecuted and it's to save our life. Um, we totally can't use that to, you know, to proselytize or, you know, deconvert people or anything like that. Um, and it's like, okay, well, since you're allowed to lie, how do I know you're not saying it's only for to save your life? How do I know that? <laughs> like, there's no way to know. Like, once you admit it's okay to lie, it's like, where do you draw that line? Oh, well, I can lie, but it's only because of these reasons. How do I know you're not lying right now? <laughs> so, so it's like, I don't know. Dishonesty is inherently built in to, to that principle in a way. Where it's just like anything they can say, you know, for I can, in Christianity, I can lie, but that would be a sin in Christianity. So, you know, the sincerely held religious belief of Christians is that if we lie, that's a sin. And that's not in accordance with our, with our religion. If, you know, Muslims who practice this Takia thing, uh, they are given permission to lie. And it's like, well, since you're given permission to lie up front, and then you try to walk it back, uh, it's like walk two steps, take back, uh, you know, two steps forward, one step back. It's like if you're upfront and given permission to lie, and then you try to walk it back a step and say, no, no, it's only for these reasons. Well, how do we know? Because before you say it's only for these reasons, you say we can basically lie. Um, so it's like, well, you, you want us to now, after you said you can lie, believe that it's only to preserve your life. But you just said you can lie. You, you guys get what I'm saying? It's like, well, oh yeah. how do you trust a liar? Like they say we can lie, but now they're saying, well, we can only lie for these reasons. Great. How do I know you're not lying when you say that? Exactly. Yeah. The, those yeah. who say that they're peaceful on this app, like especially the Sunnis, um, I actually have a, a, a recording of a, a brother gave it to me. He secretly goes in that room. So recently on this app, a, not recently, a while ago, a, a lady, a, Christi a Christian lady become a Muslim. And then from Islam, she went back. Uh, she left Islam. Uh -huh. they, they cheated her into the Islam and told her it was peaceful. So when she went in, of course, you know what the law is if you leave Islam. It's the apostate law, right? Um, anyway, they were in a room talking about like, oh, if she was an Arab, like if she was in our country, you know what would happen to her by now. Basically trying to bring her back, right? They're like, oh, what, how do we know she's not lying? That one of the guy come up, he's like, you know what the law says if she left Islam. And we could have practiced that and basically she would have been done with already. So why are we even dealing with her that way and stuff like that? It's crazy. But those are the Muslims that come on the app and say, you know, Islam is peaceful religion. You know, we're good. We're we're very peaceful. We love her. Oh, well, 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 Chris, <laughs> do, you, do you remember, Chris, we were talking to, quote, very peaceful Muslims. And after about 10 minutes when we, you know, didn't agree with everything they said, they, they wanted uh, Chris uh, to meet them on the field of battle. You remember that, Chris? The, the really peaceful Muslims are like, we're so peaceful, we're so peaceful. We're like, nah, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God. They're like, meet us on the field of battle, we will fight. I'm like, you're kidding, right? They were not. 
guess Chris is away right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's another example. Lou, I invited you. Are you up here? Can you get up here? Good morning, Steph. Uh, yeah, anyway, so, oh, I remember that one guy, what was his name? Uh, um, oh, what was his name? Um, um, the guy that's in jail for, like, child molestation. Um, Khalil, uh, Khalil Yeah, yeah, that guy. Like, he used to come on here all the time, and he was, like, super peaceful until, you know, I mean, we, he would just talk and talk and talk about the Trinity and ontological and numerical and economical and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, so, like, you know, we're just not going to agree and not let him, you know, like, misinterpret, uh, you know, the Christian God and, you know, our faith. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of my thing. I don't yell and scream or anything like that. Um, so I just calmly kept being like, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. And he would increasingly get more and more irate. And so he would eventually yell and scream and like cuss at us and I'd have to remove him because he wouldn't stop yelling and screaming and cussing. And then a couple days later, he'd come back and apologize. Like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I got a little hot-headed. I get a little hot-headed. Sorry about that. It won't happen again. And guess what? It happened again. So that, that became a, a theme with him. He'd keep coming in. We're like, no, Jesus is God. Your arguments are flawed. You're wrong. And, you know, repent and believe the gospel type stuff. And, uh, you know, he'd always get mad, irate, yell, scream, cuss. I'd have to kick him. And, you know, I'd never block him, though, because I, I rarely block people. Um, anyway, so that, that became a theme. And then I'm like, where is that guy? I haven't heard him in a while. And then I found out he's in jail for, like, raping his daughter or something. Oh, yeah. That's... Allegedly. Oh, Chris, are you back? Man, the, the, the peaceful, the peaceful, well, he's in jail for it. So I guess convicted by a jury of his peers, right? Yeah. He's not allegedly okay. any longer. He is convicted okay. in prison. Chris, remember when those peaceful Muslims uh, wanted to meet you in the field of battle? Oh, yeah, that was great. They were just like, we're going to behead all of you. Like, cool. Thanks, man. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm not a man of violence, but if you somehow find your way to me, I mean, you know, God bless 2A. Woohoo! I, I think our God is one of self-defense. Yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, they were great, man. They, we got them to show their true colors pretty quickly. Oh, but about the Koran burning thing, I have a theory, and Tyler, tell me if I'm, like, way off here, but, like, I, I like checking myself against Tyler because he's, like, one of the most reasonable people I know. So, it hurts okay. a little, but okay. But, I mean, well, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Meet me on the field of battle, Chris. I challenge you. <laughs> I challenge you. I'm so peaceful. Let me murder you. <laughs> So, uh, should we have a world Koran burning day? We're like, you know, it would be one thing. It'd be like, you know, everybody gets a page of the Quran in your, you know, locale, and everybody just tosses it in the fire until they stop being upset about Korans being burned. We just keep burning Korans. Oh, wait, desensitize them. Millions of them until they're desensitized. We're like, no. it's like clockwork orange. All it'll do is just incite them because they're going to view it as a form of terrorism. So all I would Wait. recommend is if every nation was a Christian magistrate, uh, just <clears throat> if every nation was a Christian magistrate and they decided they wanted to have like no Korans, like ban the book in their nation, like then you could do that, like make it illegal to access or something like that. But 
just doing that, like you're just inciting them to be like terrorism. Er, there, ergo, like offensive jihad right now against the West. Like I'm not, I'm not interested in uh, like us having to fight a war with like bloodthirsty Muslims because you burned a page of their sand book, bro. I'm just, it's not okay. So I, I was at the beginning of this, I was on Tyler's side until you know you you finish what you were saying, Chris. Um, so I guess preemptively on where I knew Tyler's side would be. Um, if everyone truly did as you said, right, it would serve to desensitize them because there are a lot more of us than there are of them. Kind of like Elijah, right, in the Chariots of Fire. Like there are more of us than there are of them. And he opens his eyes, and there's like you know flaming chariots of fire ready to like you know. There are hell. more of us, uh, right? Well, hang on. So, so the point of that was, since there's way more of us than there are of them, if they wanted, you know, A, if they're just like, okay, everyone on like six continents is doing this, we can't attack everyone at once, and they're not stopping, so we just physically don't have the ability to wage war on everyone, so crap. Um, and the ones who did want to, you know, get super, super zealous about it and, you know, go wage war on them, well, they would, you know do their peace and be extincted from existence real quick, probably by their own doing, right? So, like, if they wanted to, like, blow themselves up or whatever, there's only so many people who can do that. Um, so, at some point, that's, like, forcing the issue, right? So, it's like, okay, instead of, like, little sprinkling terrorism here and there, like, just get it all out of their system at once. So, like, everyone who who had the capacity to do that and, like, you know, blow themselves up or be martyrs or, you know, get a thousand demon virgins or whatever they think they're going to get, um, th they would just get it out of their system and those people would be gone from the planet. So then, at a certain point, everyone continues to burn the Quran, and then it's just like the peaceful Muslims left, and they're like, okay, well, that's offensive, but, you know, in theory, we would blow them up, but we're not going to do that. Otherwise, we already have. So that, that would be a way to either desensitize and force the issue. Um, kind of like all the crazy people, right? People are like, well, I support the Second Amendment, but crazy people shouldn't have guns. And I'm like, you know, sort of a chaos theory. I'm like, just give everyone a gun. And the crazy people won't be around long either because they're going to be like oh crap i have a gun and i'm crazy and i want to kill people and they'll try to do that and they'll die real fast or they'll be like well everyone said i was crazy i thought i was crazy and i have a gun and i'd like to kill people but turns out i'm really not that crazy and i don't have a death wish so heh, guess what i'm a normal well-adjusted citizen kind of like that right it's just like forcing the issue and and having like a, a quick a quick battle rather than like this elongated sprinkling of it yeah, I'm not sure that that's how that will work. But, I mean, like, I could see your rationale behind that. Would but it not work numerically it's... or ontologically? Because <laughs> numerically, it can only go, I mean, it has to It has to work, right? Because there's just not enough numbers to keep throwing at the problem. And, I mean, it depends. Like, let's say there's, like, 1.5 billion Muslims or something like that, right? And let's subtract, like, 300 million of those because, like, they're Shia and... And typically, they don't go around like doing terrorist bombings and stuff. Typically, unless so, one point two million Sunni, I mean billion Sunni, and like let's say they take out like four people with each bombing. Like they bomb all it takes is them to take out four people with each bombing, and they've eliminated effectively like half of the earth. You know what I'm saying? So if they're effective at using their bombs and like they're planned suicides then they could take out like the entire earth or, or half the entire earth you see what i'm saying yeah. i just don't i don't think it's smart 
Like, I'm not interested in, uh, look, the Bible says, you know, live at peace we're not, we're not supposed as much as it depends on you. Good point. But the Bible's like, I don't think the Bible's like solution to this issue is, oh, incite people to anger. Like, I don't think that's a solution. I think ultimately what's wrong with Muslims is they have a heart issue, right? They don't know what the gospel is. They hate Christ. And they need to hear the gospel and they need to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Um, that's the ideal like circumstance. Uh, but yeah, if I'm you've pulled me back. I mean, it was a fun thought experiment. But if I'm if I'm putting on my spiritual hat, which I mean, I guess we should always have on. I, I mean, you know, the whole like Paul talks about, you know, living at peace with all people as much as it depends on you. So that would that would preclude us from burning the Quran to incite people because that wouldn't be very peaceful as much as it depends on me. Um, whereas, you know, if people want to like burn the Bible, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a psychotic. So, you know, you can burn that Bible. It doesn't make me happy, but I'm not going to prevent you from doing it. And then if they're like, okay, well now, uh, you know, you, you have to be at peace. So we're going to kill you and your family. I'm like, well, <laughs> as much as possible. So, you know, you can try, but I'm going to not let you do that. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure how they how the East is going to be reformed by God, but you know, that I would love to see there be a day in which you know, you don't have to hear about like Muslims going up and bombing at like a random Oriental church or something like that. That would be nice. What about what Jesus says? What about what Jesus said? Yeah, Jesus says... Uh, I mean, you said a lot of things. What are you talking about? He said, "He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Isn't it? Okay. Isn't that what Jesus said? Uh, yeah, how do you yeah. relate to this conversation? Well, yeah, I would just question the wisdom of anybody who claims to be a Christian trying uh, you're to real, you're impose... Pretty hard, you're pretty hard to hear. Let me let me move to a quieter place. Okay. Now, I said, I would just question the motives of any person who claims to be a Christian who seems to be focused on trying to impose uh, his or her uh, so-called Christian beliefs on other people uh, by force, because that's not consistent with what Jesus Christ told his well, yeah, disciples while he was here. Yeah, and so far, like in this conversation today, not one person has proposed that. So were you just making an independent point? No. Or no. In, ca in case somebody thought about that? Well, were you no. addressing me or anyone? Because none I, of us I, have... Well, I was, I, was, I, was, I was addressing uh, the conversation about what might, what, about what a reasonable mm -hmm. or Christian-focused response to um, people who are Muslim and who are choosing to engage in violence, what that would be. That, that was why I said what I said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, just, I, was, yeah. I was more asking, like, jokingly, like, you know, should we burn a billion Qurans until everyone's desensitized and no one cares anymore? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. The, so then, then that was sort of the joking, like, you know, hey, these people are like rioting and murdering people over a rumor of a Quran being burned. Maybe if we desensitize them by burning a billion Qurans, then they would be like maybe more chill. Well, I, I, I mean, it sounds like you could just yourself. import a lot of. It, it, 
Well, it sounds like you could just import a lot of Hindus and, you know, Christians wouldn't have to have anything to do with it. Just like, what, <laughs> what, what, I mean, let's battle it out. Battle it out. I mean, and the Muslims. Let's, let's go Temple, you know, Temple of Doom on this. No, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I mean, I also, I, 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 I'll just say that I'm not comfortable with, I know that, that it's great to add levity to conversations because we can be serious for only so long, but. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of making jokes about Muslims being violent, especially since there are uh, deeply held prejudices against Muslims because of what fringe groups within the Islamic faith have done. So, yeah, I just don't think groups. it's a responsible No, I just think it's an irresponsible thing to do. I don't, I Noted. Like you have entire caliphates doing that. Yeah, like, we could say the same thing about Christians who. Oh, you can uh, cite your sources. Cite your sources. Cite your Show sources. us where Christians go out and perform terrorism against anyone. It's well, hilarious. I, uh, I oh, you, you Christians, I, I, you kill just as many you, as would Muslims. Would you like to I know, mean, Chris? You asked me a question. Would you like me to answer it? Is it from this century? Yeah, not would, really. Would you like me to answer the Chris, the question, Christian? Chris, yes, I can answer it if you let me. Well, um, for for instance, uh, there is an anti-gay law in Uganda whose origin uh, can be traced directly to far-right evangelical Christians who've decided that since they've lost the battle on their soil, that they want to go to places where they think they can wield influence and oppress other people just based on their immutable characteristics, such as sexual orientation that's and gender identity. That's not an immutable characteristic. Um, okay, let me, finish. Also... let me let me finish. You asked, I was asked a question, and Nate said I can give examples. The other example that I do want to give, Nate, you were, you were right. It's an example from a different period. But it makes no sense to pretend that one can responsibly decouple the past from the present, okay? If we're going to condemn other people for engaging in behavior that we think is morally reprehensible, we have to be okay with acknowledging what our leaders in the past have done. And all I'm saying is that the Christian church itself, at least if we're talking about the institution, put Jesus Christ aside, because I do believe that- Well, if you're talking Jesus about the Christ institution, that, you're, well, well, it, to be clear, if you're talking about the institution, you're probably about talking about Catholicism, which is no authority to me. So, I, I, well, and trust me, and it's no authority to me either because I'm not a Catholic. But my point is, there are institutions linked to different religions that have, at one time or another, oppressed people. And pretending that different Christian institutions haven't done so before and are not doing so right now is 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 hypocritical. That's my point. Okay. Okay, point noted. Uh, However, wait, wait, hang on. There's a couple things, though. Like, I don't know if this is goalpost moving or we're just moving the whole game, but <clears throat> you, you talked about oppression. So we're talking about death and murder. And then I asked for examples of that. And then to your credit, you did say, you know, you were going to cite some stuff that was not from this century. Um, so while, you know, no one is first, you said we shouldn't act like it didn't happen. No one is doing that. I acknowledge the Catholic Chris, Church Chris, and Christians Chris. have done... And, and, and people, no, oh, no. 
Well, no, no, he's not. He'll be the first oh, to tell he, you. He I mean, second, because I'm telling you, you know. And I'm okay. I'm about to not be responsible. Like, I, we, this conversation comes up a lot. Like, I know what Chris will say if you, if you, you know, give him a, a second. But the point is, first of all, we acknowledge this. We acknowledge that people have done bad things in the name of Christianity. They've used the Bible to justify bad things, like slavery, for example. Let me help you out. Like, the, you know, it, it, people have used, like, largely plantation slave owners. Uh, with political power, have used scriptures in the Bible to justify slavery. But other people with very different motives have used those same scriptures to bring an end to slavery. So it's not a problem with the text. It's the problem with the people and how they used it. Like you can take the same passages and make them say oftentimes very good and very bad things. You can do that with a newspaper. So it's not a problem with the text. It's a problem with the people. So we acknowledge that, that it has been done in the name of God and stuff like that. The second thing is we're talking about the here and now. So while we acknowledge stuff has been has historically been bad, let's look for things now. And for the things we're looking at now, you talked about oppression. Well, oppression is bad, and we can talk about that, but that's a new category. Right now, we're on death and murder. So I'm looking for Christians uh, you know, who, who claim to be Christ-following, God-believing people um, who are doing death and murder. Not, not oppressing. Oppressing is bad, and we can talk about that, but death and murder. And surely in this world— somewhere there's someone claiming to be a Christian who is like murdering people just because never say never. But if we can't find that source and no one knows of their existence to stop them, we can't be held responsible. Um, there's probably somebody somewhere in this world. So that that's what we're yeah. talking about. Just to clear up those, just to clear up those loose ends. Also like the death and murder we're talking about is specifically like examples of <laughs> Christian terrorism. Right. So pointing to the law in Uganda, is in like Christian terrorism. It's a civil magistrate exercising the right to lead its public uh, and sort of save and revive the moral fabric of fabric of its nation by instituting laws against homosexuality. That does not constitute terrorism. Uh, maybe you think it's like a human rights concern, and we can talk about that. But it doesn't constitute terrorism. It, const it constitutes terrorism to me if you're if you're choosing to use laws to make it impossible for people to live live freely. What you are doing is terrorism. That's what you're doing. Can someone it's define freedom. terrorism? Right. Can someone like yeah. objectively. I don't. I don't mean that facetiously. I mean someone objectively. Define terrorism from a. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. No, of course you're not going to answer that question because you have an untenable position. No, I'm not going to answer the question because I know when people are playing in my face. That's no, I said, I said I'm not being facetious. So, so I don't know, but I can tell when people are playing in my face. Okay, okay so, so I, I'm not being facetious. I'm saying you are. If, if we're going to have no, no, that facetiousness or sarcasm. You would be able to tell. I'm, I'm saying objectively. I'm not saying like someone define it in their own words. I'm saying let's go to because we're having a scholarly conversation of some sense of logical, rational conversation, right? We're being responsible. <clears throat> a part of academic responsibility is defining terms, which is why when you go to any formal academic study, they'll have operational terms. As in, for the purpose of this conversation, this word, this concept is defined as such, so we can all have the same you okay. know, building blocks when we yeah. have a conversation. So, well, look, so when I say I have the FBI well, definition as well right here. If y'all would like them or chat GPT more. Because I yeah. yeah, you, you uh, do the FBI, I'll do chat GPT. Go for it. I appreciate it. So here it is. 
So international terrorism is violent criminal acts, which, hold on, violent criminal acts committed by individual and or groups who are inspired by or associated with designated foreign governments or institutions who aim to undermine freedom of certain nations or states. It says domestic, this is domestic terrorism. Violent criminal acts committed by individuals and our groups further furthering ideological goals stemming from domestic influences such as those of political, religious, social, racial, or environmental nature. Um, and international terrorism was the first one. Domestic terrorism is the latter. So, yeah. And yeah, I have to go with that. I imagine when it says violent, it means not just, that's not just relegated to um, harmful to people, like physical, physically harmful to people, but also maybe destructive to buildings or infrastructure, things of that sort that probably be considered violent, even if it's not someone physically being harmed. You know, if you blow up a hospital and it's empty, it's still a lot of destruction, carnage, you know, if it's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Or like a, an office building that happens to be empty still going to cause a lot of issues even if nobody's hurt it probably could still be considered violent so violent criminal acts got it okay and i'm just again not not to be facetious just wanted to establish an objective definition so that anybody listening when we're saying oh you know a law is not necessarily terroristic um um that that that's the the basis or the foundation that's you know being mm. The two definitions I proposed uh, don't talk anything about a civil magistrate uh, lawfully using the powers they've been invested by the people to bring in a new law to the land. Like neither of these definitions talk about that. Um, the international terrorism talks about foreign terrorist organizations coming into a state and committing violent criminal acts. And the domestic terrorism doesn't talk about the civil magistrate imposing new legislation so here's the problem with here's the problem with using that definition and choosing not to think about terrorism expansively it disregards the fact that if somebody is living under the threat of intentional violence if somebody is living under fear because they're is an understandable, understandable and reasonable threat of violence because of a trait that the person cannot change. If there's a law that's passed that promises that the person could be harmed, a law that incites violence against that, against that person, a law that deputizes private citizens to also engage in violence against the person because of the person's immutable trait. All of a sudden, it begins to look like terrorism, okay? So I'm not going to rely on just the FBI's definition of terrorism. The FBI is a law enforcement agency that has to use definitions in order to Are perform they? its functions. <laughs> if you're talking about people, individuals who are living under an oppressive regime, where the threat of violence is imminent because there is a law that tells people, hey, look, if a person is this, if a person does X, even though what the person is doing isn't harming anybody, the government is going to punish that person, not just with a prison sentence, but also murder under certain cases. And you also know that you live in a society where people 
have been engaging in violence against gay people anyway, even without the law, it's terroristic. That's sure. what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, okay. I don't think so, punishing... Hang, wait, hang on, hang on. Let, let's like... Yeah, let's put this to bed. We've talked way too long about this. Okay, so the point is, um, we ask for examples, you know, one-to-one, apples-to-apples, and there are none. Um, so, you know, talking about, like, you know, suicide bombers, Muslim people... <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I haven't spoken, like, ten minutes. Um, so... Anyway, we're talking about like, you know, suicide bombers, Muslim jihad, stuff like that. Ask for a Christian example. There are none. The closest thing you've got is the Ugandan gay laws, which you said could be traced directly back to far right evangelical, quote, far right evangelical. But you didn't do that. So go ahead and trace those sources back. Post it in chat. I'm happy to look at it. And maybe I'll bring you up again. But we need to talk about something else because this has run its course. So you said it could be traced back to far right Christian evangelicals. Uh, so go ahead and trace it back for us. Cite some sources. Show us who you're talking about. Um, and as far as I know, Uganda is not a theocracy. So separate what is religiously inspired because of hardcore Christian values versus what is also politically expedient. And uh, you know, even even people who are not religious, like depending on their culture, could have a strong anti-gay bias. So they may not even be religious. So these are the questions I have, and that's the best you have. So as far as like Christian suicide bombers, there are just none. Um, that's not even a mentality in Christianity. Um, so anyway, if you can cite your sources about far right Christian evangelical people uh, and pushing for that law or whatever, um, I would say one, you know, oppression is still bad. It doesn't make it right. Um, I question your sources. I want to look at them. And then also your problem is political because I don't think Uganda is a theocracy. Um, someone fact check me. I'm almost certain it is not. So that means if there's a law that's like religiously backed or religiously based, you still have a secular political issue to deal with. So if you can vote there, vote, lobby to change the law. And if you don't like that, move. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. You can't blame a secular government um, and say they have a law that they don't like because of like cultural reasons or whatever reasons that's not 100% because of the God of the Bible reasons and then act as if it were. Um, so anyways, that's just fallacious. Ola, what's up, Ola? How are you doing? Hey, Nate, can I'm we good, also I'm get good. like a, a, um, a, a copy of the law? Or can we also get uh, maybe that law? Because it was also stated the law itself incites people to violence. So, I mean, if we can get like a link to the law that actually is, you know, causing all the terror, that would be good. Yeah, I mean, if you can just link all that, because, you know, I, I have a feeling, I mean, I'm not a Ugandan legal expert, but I have a feeling there's laws against assault and murder and things like that. So if you say this law incites people to violence, um, does the law say that uh, if someone is gay, you can assault them, uh, which would normally be against Ugandan laws, but because they're gay, it's okay? I seriously doubt that's what it says. But yeah, if someone can link the actual law, I'd be interested in it. I mean, you know, it's it's far away from me, but I, I'd be interested in this conversation. Oh, uh, you're about to say something? No, no, to, to be honest, I think... Um... I was going to ask Chris something, but Chris kind of cleared it up. He said he was just uh, making a hypothetical statement regarding burning all the, like, uh, a billion uh, Qurans. Yeah, so, but uh, he's cleared it up already. Yeah, that's why. We could call it the conflagration of a billion Qurans. Would that be cool? Does that sound cool? Ooh, yeah. Um, Oh, hang on. So there's, uh, I was just looking at it. It was in chat. Like, I really want to move on to another conversation. Um, you also think being gay is a choice, not one time, like, okay, now we're just, this conversation is, is off to a different game entirely because that, 
was never a part of this discussion from terrorism and murder and violence. But uh, whether or not someone thinks being gay is a choice, um, you're pronouncing that. You also think being gay is a choice. You don't know if anyone thinks that because you haven't asked a single person that. You've stated that a few times. So it's irrelevant, though. Like, whether or not someone thinks being gay or not is a choice, if someone cares about, from a Christian purview, if someone cares about the Christian God, then it is a sin. It doesn't matter if it's a choice or not. If it's not a choice, you may not, even if you, you say you can't choose whether or not you're gay, you can choose whether or not to have sex. That's a choice. So be a hermit, be a monk, be a nun, uh, whatever. Uh, let's see, last thing, and then we're going to move on. It isn't a theocracy, but folks, uh, okay, it isn't a theocracy. Case closed. Um, but folks who know about African colonization from the white devil, my word, my word. also know that the white, oh, white colonizers uh, bright their bastardize. Did you, maybe you misspelled there or something? Christ-like concept of Christianity. Okay, so in a secular, non-theocratic government, um, which he concedes, it's still the concept of Christianity. So the closest we can get is suicide bombers and like, you know, mass terrorism for Christianity. That doesn't exist. Then there's a law, totally because of Christians, against gay people in Uganda, but also it's not a theocracy, so it's not really uh, because of Christians, but it's the concept of Christianity. So if we start at suicide bomber Christian terrorists, the, the, the closest we get to it is a Ugandan law, um, not because of Christianity, but because of the vague concept of Christianity. So that's the closest we've got to Christian terrorism. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Michael, this is your day. We're talking, well, I don't know. <laughs> this, this is maybe the sauciest room you'll find in a while. Hey, hey. Well, look, look I think, mm -hmm. uh, morning, everybody. I, I think, I think the only, the next logical step is to move into an incredibly deep philosophical discussion. Um, and watch Nate's head explode. I'm kidding. 100%. Um, Let's talk about the simplicity of God, Tyler. Get out. <laughs> I, I, th I think it's interesting. There were, there were some very interesting things that were said as I was listening in. Um, I'll maybe go in reverse order. Um, to the... Um, okay, I guess grenades a fly. Um, if, there if, if there's actually... Lunch. Yeah, if there's actually people who think that... Um, sexual preference is a choice it just shows a degree of ignorance that's staggering um and the best the best description of this is when did you choose to be straight um so that's just silly um the, the one thing that was very interesting that was said about uh i think it was you nate saying you know kind of or it might not have been you it may have been the other gentleman who was up here and i didn't see his name about kind of decoupling <clears throat> the present from the past um and <sighs> I think you. I think there. I think it's reasonable to say that you that you have to partially decouple the present from the past. Otherwise, you know, it's like, well, you know, why aren't we, you know, still at, at war with you know with with Germany or, or or Japan or places like this? I think we have to be mindful of the past as to not repeat it. Um, but I think we do have to also do some some decoupling. Um, I I agree with uh, what was said about basically the. The lack of uh, hardcore, I think it was a hardcore right-wing evangelical 
uh, acts of uh, terrorism, although I think terrorism comes in many different forms. I'm not suggesting that hard right, hardcore right-wing evangelicals are terrorists, but um, a definition of terrorism that I've used in the past is basically any, like anything, any unlawful violence used for sociopolitical gain. I think that's close to a dictionary definition. Um, so you, you could maybe argue that there is some, some violence used for sociopolitical gain, and that could be viewed as terrorism, but I'm, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I guess it depends how you look at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, I mean and you, you said this, Nate, that you know, there's lots of stuff from centuries past uh, you know, done in the name of, uh, done in the name of God, uh, that, you know, you just could, you know, shouldn't be silly enough to say, oh, no, no, that, no, that totally didn't happen because it did. Um, but, but yeah. And then. You use uh, the term unlawful. Yeah. Uh, is all terrorism unlawful? Um, is all terrorism unlawful? That's a really good question. Yeah. No. I, yeah As I, in, I, is there examples of lawful terrorism? The yeah, of our country. Yeah, I, I would say no. I, no, I think I would agree with with uh, I think your statement that all forms of terrorism would be uh, would be unlawful. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the last thing I want to say is that um, I know Chris, you're mostly saying it tongue in cheek, but don't burn books. Read them instead. You can't you can't refute someone's argument with a pile of ashes that you burned. Uh, okay, a couple of things. So one, I, I I was first inclined to be like, yes, all terrorism is unlawful. Uh, which, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess it would technically be unlawful. So I, I changed again. And then the yeah. other one, um, you know, to prove a political point, right? Like, if someone wants to burn a flag, that doesn't mean you're burning all flags. It means you know there, there are copies, right? So there are copies of books. So um, you know, if you wanted to do it for, like, like to get rid of every copy and burn them out of the out of existence, like all the competing you know copies of the Quran that were different, um, then that would be what you're talking about. Like, you can't have an argument with a pile of ashes. Um, but I mean, I think for, you know, like Chris talking about the, uh, you know, the tongue in cheek burning of a, uh, the certain book, um, it, it certainly wouldn't get rid of all of them in existence. That wouldn't be the goal. It would be to demonstrate a, a point, um, an, an ideological point um, that people shouldn't, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, words never hurt me, that type thing. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't combat words and expression with violence. Um so you could still have that argument and you could still read the book um, while burning like other copies of it. So I guess I was thinking about the terrorism thing, like, you know, like, like V from Vendetta, right? Like the terrorism there because like the, the corrupt fascist government or, you know, like the founding of our country or other countries or revolutions because the, the government becomes corrupt and, and um, you know, just evil. Um, so, yeah, I guess people would use like terrorism and like bomb government buildings and stuff like that to, to try to like get their way and like stop the corruption and take over. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would definitely be technically unlawful, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, just I, I, to I add. have a, I oh, have okay, a quick science mind for Michael. Um, so Michael, you know, there was a study that came out a few years ago, 500,000 people, the most comprehensive study. A lot of people in media didn't like it, but no one criticized the data. It said that there is no straight or gauging, and it said 75 to 93% of sexuality is influenced by environment, meaning 7 to 25% is influenced by biology. So I just posted the link in the chat. There, it has less than a 1% margin of error, so I'd love to get your feedback on it. And that's for PBS, so wow. Sorry, where did you post it to you? It's in the I never chat. look at it. 
Oh, sorry. I never look at the chat. I'll go look at it. Oh, or, uh, yeah, I'll copy and paste it. Oh, hey, speaking of uh, looking at things, Nate, you never sent me that picture yesterday. Um, oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me do that right now. My bad. Yeah, I just wanted to add something while you look at it, Michael. Um, um, you said your definition of terrorism is an unlawful act of violence, force, um, political and socioeconomic or some sort of gain that way. So would you agree that there will be a lot of uh, categories and groups that would now be added into the word terrorism? For example, I would say um, uh, there, there's some protesters uh, I've, I've seen myself, I think, just up oil. Would you say that they are ranked in uh, in that uh, in that group? Because you just said acts of violence. You didn't give a degree to the acts of violence. So any form of acts of violence that that is unlawful, would you say that is actually terrorism? Yeah, I think I think it could be right because violence comes in many forms, right? Like violence isn't just you know uh, like an open hand swing or a closed fist, you know, something like that, right? Like violence comes in many forms. There, there is. Uh, you know, and there would be some to disagree with this, but there is violent speech, right? You can incite, right? Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I think I would say that uh, that it would be any form of of violence. Yeah, I think I would take that stance. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I Roy's. I'm in the violent pretty speech? big minority. I'm in the pretty big minority on this, but I mean, I, I think any speech is is. Well, I don't know where we're going with that. Is can it be violence? Can words be violence? I I would really try to make a case for no. Even if you say go kill that person, I, I don't think that should be considered violence. If someone follows that actions and does violence, that's where the violence is. Even if you do hateful, insightful speech that riles people up, and and because of that, if they commit violence, those people are the ones that should be responsible. Those people are the ones doing violence. Um, the person saying the the speech that some would want to deem violent, I, I would try very hard to make a case that that words are not violence, words cannot be violence. Do if you think that do they should incur some type of? I don't. That I'm saying, like, do you think that they should incur some type of civil, like the government or something should be involved in, like, regulating that or finding that person, like some type of uh, deterrent for people who like say stuff like that. No, I, I think, and I, I get it. I, I recognize I am the minority because words are not violence. If words cause someone to do physical actions, that's a problem with the, the mindset of the person. That, I mean, should, uh, so here's a question. Should immoral actions be subject to judgment by the government? Should moral actions immoral actions be subject to uh, judgment by the government well who defines moral actions like we just talked about the moral you know the anti-gay morality i, I mean, agree right. so, morality. i well, think we right, both so on that yeah. well yeah so biblically so biblically speaking that would be immoral and i would say the government shouldn't have anything to do with that but we would also say murder would be immoral and i would say the government should have something to do with that why well i, I mean well, well i mean if you're talking about nate's perfectly ideal world um, you know, it would be Nate's militia in Nate's territory where Nate was the chief of, uh, he, he, his, uh, you know, his, um, whatever his rules would, would deal with that. So if we're talking about my perfect world, 
but since I'm not a dictator with my own militia in my perfect world to enforce, uh, you know, moral issues and laws the way I see fit, then yeah, I mean, you know, I would prefer the country I live in to, you know, hit the big ones, right? Like yeah. the government, sh- I, I like the idea that, you know, we should have a limited government. It should do necessary functions, but those functions should be limited to like the, the major, major things like protecting our borders from foreign countries, uh, you know, protecting people from, from being murdered, like to promote a, a reasonable atmosphere of like, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness uh, and things like that. So yeah, this in my ideal world, but since this is the world I live in, I would like the government to, you know, have penalties for people that do murder and heinous assaults and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to like, you know, a yeah. few a few rungs down on the ladder, stay out of it. Let people deal with so, themselves. So I think they, this comes from like the crazy influence, like post enlightenment, uh, for like philosophy and like social contract theory has had on Christianity. Because I think the Bible is pretty clear on the con like there is speech worthy of civil condemnation. And any immoral act is gonna incur a punishment proportionate to that act. And so and it's the duty of the civil magistrate to mete out justice. Like that's part of the function of the civil magistrate. So if there's an immoral act, such as calling for the death of someone, um, then there, there's going to be like, yeah, I, I, I'll let Chris go. Ahead. Well, I, I don't know. I think, I think the thing is like how, how we just kind of view the world. Like I, I have a kind of a like all or nothing approach, right? So like, I, there are some things I would nuance out like to degrees, like what you're saying, Tyler. But I mean, you know, since you asked me like what I think, I mean, I mean that's, that's really what I think. So like all or nothing. So I, I, I don't want the government to be involved in my life anymore than, you know, like the big things that I find necessary. It could be probably a list of like 10 or 20 things. Um, but civil condemnation, before I was agreeing, before you took it to the magistrate, like civil condemnation, yeah, you can condemn, condemn people and speak out against it without like, you know, gross, harsh penalties, like, uh, you know, fines or imprisonment or something like that. So you can condemn it. I mean, as a Christian, like I don't think any speech should be illegal, but if I heard people doing things that I disagree with, I'd condemn it. I'd be like, you shouldn't say that. You can say it without fear of penalty, but you shouldn't. So I, I definitely condemn it myself as a private citizen and speak against it. Um, but but then it's like, well, if it's not bad enough to do, like, to criminalize, then it's not bad enough to, I, I don't know, penalize. Like, if it's not, do you get what I'm saying? It, it's really all or nothing. I think- so if someone's doing something like murder, that is bad enough that you would want to imprison that person. If it's if it's just like words, that doesn't rise to the level of what I think should be imprisoned. So it should have just no penalties. What's like the threshold for that? It's subjective. Well, doesn't uh, yeah, see, the Constitution say something about yelling fire or something? Isn't there some exception? Yeah, yelling fire in a crowded theater is uh, you can get fined or even jailed for that. Um, yeah, so and, and that's. Is, and, 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 well, that is different. It's not in the, the Constitution doesn't say anything about that. It's a, I think the Supreme Court uh, said something about that. But that, that, that's a different category, and I, we haven't talked about that, but that's, that's usually like the one place I, I would make an exception, um, which we haven't got to. But So calling for murder, I, I think, is less than that because that requires premeditation. So if someone calls for murder, that would require I'm not gonna someone to hear. Calling for murder is <laughs> – I think that's a lot more serious. And, like while both, while both have – 
Well, I think uh, it's finished, to be fair. Serious implications. I think. Well, uh, I'm not going to lie. That this. All right, wild. all right. So, let, so Nick, right. Let, let, let's frame it like this, though. Let's say well, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to finish what I was trying to say. I think that may help. So one is premeditation, right? If someone calls for murder, I get it. I'm not saying this is good. Like Nate is not saying this is good and to be celebrated. I'm just saying what should be penalized and what should be punished under law. So anyways, calling for murder, I see as less of a problem because it requires premeditation. If someone calls for violence on someone, that would require someone to hear that message, think about it, and then make a conscious effort to go do violence. So you would have a premeditation factor. If someone yells fire in a crowded theater, there's no time for premeditation. You're in instantly saying things that are almost guaranteed to get people hurt uh, through death or injury from panic. And there's there's no part on another person to hear that message and go do violence. So there's no premeditation. That's going directly from the speaker to the people in, in the riot that it's ensuing. So I, I would say that would be more of an exception that I would make. Um, I, I hope that helps. And CEO, you can jump in and then Tyler. But yeah, I hope so, that, that – right. Uh, so, Dan, I just want to know, like, if Obama started going around and giving speeches to uh, – the only way to keep the country safe is to kill Trump supporters, and then some Trump supporters got started getting killed, do you think he should continue to be able to give those speeches across the country? Well, define continue to give, but in Nate's, you know, Nate's ideal – pronouncement for this situation i think he should be allowed to say that I, I mean without penalty of like you know fines or imprisonment um should he be allowed to continue um how like could, could someone like legislate it or could someone litigate that to where he has a gag order or something um i don't know i, I don't really care about that point uh but you know i i think as long as there's no penalty of fine or imprisonment or something sure go for it it's kind of kind of like let justice uh, you know let justice be done may the heavens fall that type mentality so if you want if you want to like force the issue, if you want to say something that's unjust and a bunch of unjust bad actions happen, well, get ready for the consequences. So, you know, in that scenario, if a bunch of people heard this message and started doing violence and, you know, the, the government was unwilling or unable and, you know, people had to rely on self-defense. I mean, I don't see that any different than like, a, you know, King Xerxes and, and Esther, um, how, you know, he made the law that said people could kill the Jews. But then he's like, oh, crap, for some reason, because he's king and he's bound by laws, which doesn't seem very kingly. But he's like, oh, no, I can't undo my own laws that I made for reasons. Um, but he's like, well, you guys can fight back. I think that's the kind of situation would have. And I think that would serve to temper uh, people. So, again, that would that would be falling on the citizen rather than the government to to do it for them. They'd be like, OK, well, if we call for violence and people do violence, we're going to lead to, you know, end up getting in a civil war. So maybe I don't know. It puts the onus on the individual more than the government. If they want to try to like sue him or something like that to like place a gag order on him, um, I don't know. That that's like adding more layers to it. But he shouldn't be in prison for it. I'll give you credit for your consistency. Hey, I'm sounding. And I'm sounding like the guy at the beginning of this conversation, Chris. <laughs> So, so CEO, I had a, a quick uh, look at the first couple of paragraphs of that uh, study, and I, I will, I did, I bookmarked it so I can go back and look at the entirety of it. It does look interesting. Um, I'm not so sure. Uh, well, I guess maybe I should ask you what what was your what was the reason for you pointing out this study to me? 
What was the what was the reason for that? Because you said that it wasn't a choice. And what this study is saying is that sexuality exists on a spectrum. So it's basically saying uh, here I'm going to give an interpretation of it. OK, so this is my interpretation of where it lands. It essentially mm-hmm. says all of us may be born somewhere on the scale. And let's say one is straight, 10 is gay. OK, so we're, we're all born somewhere on the scale. But then environment plays an even larger influence on where we end up. So, so there is an interconnectivity between the two things. So I'll be curious to read the entirety of the study because what the study actually says is something that's not controversial, is that sexual, sexuality is a combination of genetic, hormonal, and environmental influences. It actually doesn't give... Uh, from what it I've gives a so percentage. Far. It says... It do, okay, I'll be, I'll be curious to read that. The percentage it gives is 75 to 93% environmental. Okay, so what do you understand to be environmental influence? Anything around you that influences your behavior. I think that's a pretty straightforward response. Okay, so, okay. so do you think? Okay, so then do you think that um, seeing someone that you are attracted to in the environment would influence your behavior? No, no, that's not. That is not no. what is counting. No. Mm-mm. That would be it's biological. Not, not counting that that would all. be biological. The, you th- okay? I okay. I'll be curious to read the study. I don't. I I don't agree with that statement. But I'm. Um, but in fairness, I will read it. Well, it, it's um, a, I mean, so this is a thing that I find ironic about it, right? So like, there's so many people who typically they lean in on the science very heavily. But when this study came out, like I remember Don Lemon on CNN. He basically did not criticize the legitimacy of the study or what it said at all. He just said, these sort of things can be used dangerously. That was his only comment about it. And then he moved on quickly. The media didn't want to talk about it for a long time because it runs kind of like the counter-narrative. But this is really strong. It's one of the strongest studies I've ever seen. To have 500,000 participants, it's a really incredibly in-depth study. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I'm not I'm not poo pooing it. I'm saying I haven't read it yet. Like I, I read the first two paragraphs, so I'll I'll read the entirety of it, and then I'll reach out to uh, to some friends who are uh, I have a couple of friends who are sociologists. But um, but, and but, is it, but is it a controversial idea to you to just think of the way I framed it that we're all born somewhere on the scale, and then environment plays a significant influence on where we end up on the scale? So, but uh, so that that's interesting. Is it controversial in the in the, uh, on the face of it? No, but so where so how do you so h- how is it that you're aware of what part of the spectrum you were born on? Oh uh, no no I don't I don't think we are right. I think well I think oh you don't think we're born on the spectrum? Uh, no no I do think we are born on somewhere on the scale. But I don't think but I think so what, I think what side of the scale think, were you born on? I think I was born more towards a straight scale, right? How because do you know? How, how do you know that? Be, be, because he don't like dudes. I, yeah, because that's where I spent. Right, where right. I and and how started. do you know? So, right. And uh, how do you uh, know that you aren't attracted to men? Because I haven't been attracted to men. Because of because of men you've seen in the environment that whom you've not been sexually attracted to. Mm. <laughs> I mean, no, okay, no, okay. So for okay, well, no, wait, no, hang no, on. No, can no, I can no, I try no, to? So Nick, I can I, I can actually answer this really good. Okay. Sure. So Michael. Yes, I can admit 
Tom Brady is a good looking guy. Do I right. want to have sex with him? No. So oh, I, you, I can admit, yeah, there are the certain thing. men that I can admit they are on the good looking scale. I don't judge all men, but like in extreme cases, I know that's a good looking dude. Sure. But so, I do so, not but want by to that have rationale, sex with CEO, him. by that <laughs> rationale, CEO, when you see a woman, if you're attracted to that woman, you automatically want to have sex with that woman. <clears throat> when I was single, yes. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be uh, – anyway, Nate, sorry, you want to jump in here. It's your thing. Well, Michael, a way to test this theory is, one, and, and we, can't, we can't do this test because it's past that time. But maybe you'd have a very gay uh, CEO if um, – when he was a child being raised, uh, I don't know, they would have had like lots of educational books that talk about, you know, uh, it's only natural. Or, you know, like they, they would have had a bunch of special teachers come in or people giving talks in school. And be like, you know, just all homosexuality, uh, you know, everything, all the commercials you saw on TV was just like gay, 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 gay. And uh, I don't know, perhaps that would have been some of the environmental things. <clears throat> if he was bombarded that way to just like think that was normal, think that was fine, kind of be pushed in that way um, to have a very gay CEO right now. The way you can test that now, how do you know you're still not gay? I don't know. Take him to a pride parade sometime and just like parade like thousands of naked dudes in front of him. And maybe if you end up catching him like in the back room motel with one of them, be like, oh, <laughs> guess he's gay now. <laughs> guess, guess that's how we know. And at a certain point, if, if without going like, you know, ridiculous, if, you know, he withstands the temptation of like, I don't know, the, the, I, I can't even think like, you know, the Chippendales of the gay world, like parading in front of him, shaking their stuff at a certain point, you'd be like, okay, he's survived like 10,000 of these guys and he has no attraction to them. So I guess we'll just take him at his word that the guy's not gay. Uh, so Michael, I want to tee up Nate's comment with what I said and before you respond. So yeah, sure. no Gen X is 3% LGBTQ, right? Gen Z is 20% LGBTQ. So my case for this is that humanity did not have sudden rapid evolution over the last 35 or 40 years, but that is an environmental influence. Now, is some of that because we suppressed it so much that some of these 3% at Gen X, maybe it's really 6%? Sure, that is a factor. But to go from 3% to 20% and argue that's purely from uh, genes or evolution, that's a real stretch. Well, that's just incredulity. But I, I mean, so it, uh, I, I, we, we don't have any way of measuring, like unless there's going to be some type of um, like back facing study, you know, to try to find out. But I, I think you hit the nail on that. I think you hit the nail on the head. Right. So like I'm a Gen Xer as well. Right. And I can tell you that, you know, like there, the 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 way that, for example, homosexual slurs were used just as commonplace um, in everyday parlance. When I was, uh, you know, when I was an adolescent, uh, it was, you know, looking back on that, pretty startling. So we don't know how much of the population was actually LGBT versus how much was professing LGBT. So for example, uh, 40 years ago in San Francisco, right? Just to give kind of one glaring example, it wasn't as big a deal. But 40 years ago, in some town, Louisiana, if you were gay, you were not saying that you were gay. Sorry, not going to happen. So, so I, I, I think you actually, I think you actually said something that 
that was very relevant in that, you know, from a societal pressure perspective, there was, you know, there was the ability to come out and feel safe, right? Um, and that is more prevalent now. So, um, so you, you looking at it and saying, well, you know, 5% to 20%, that just doesn't seem reasonable. That's just personal incredulity, right? Which is not, well, which is not evidence. I think there's something else we're really overlooking, though. Like every week, new letters get added to this thing. So is it perhaps that there weren't, um, you, you know, that many people, um, if we only had the same LGBT letters that, you know, we kind of had back, you know, a couple decades ago or whatever, um, would it still be very similar to that? Because now we've added everything under the sun. So, you know, we've added queer, two-spirit, BIPOC, like everything, everything you can imagine except straight white Christian man has been under this umbrella. So it basically, if 90% of the earth wanted to identify in this umbrella, they pretty much could. Um, that doesn't mean that there's just more people who ha are free to express themselves. It means that they've ke kept broadening this umbrella. So pretty much everyone can join this community. Um, so I think we're missing. Well, well, Nate, yeah. Nate, well just, Nate, in this case, though, just to clarify the, the <clears throat> research here, the 3% versus 20% is only LGBT. Well, yeah, and I think there also needs to be a, just a, a little bit of clarification. So, so the acronym BIPOC is Black, Indigenous, and People of Color has nothing to do yes. with, uh, with, with sexual orientation. Um, right, right. But, but it's under that umbrella. That's what I was saying. That, which yeah. CEO cleared that up. And Two yeah, Spirit, there, too, has nothing to do with sexuality. Yeah, you're right. No, you're, you're right. And so, you know, but, but it, was, it, was actually C, it was actually CEO, and we're in full agreement here, right, that, there is a, that, that sexuality is on a spectrum, right? So... This, so spectrums can increase and, 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 de and decrease over time, right? It's only, um, it's only um, black and white things, right, that, that don't have the capacity to change. Like it's only, you know, you know one way versus the other. But, but spectrums can increase all the time. So we're actually in agreement when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, and I just think that um, Nate was saying this. I think that there's been maybe too much um, pushing almost towards that community these days. And I feel like that will moderate and then we'll find out what the real number is, right? So maybe in about 40 years, whatever generation is born after generation alpha, I think will give us what the real kind of standard. And I think it will be somewhere between that 3% and 20%. So do you think that it's a, do you think that, that the societal influence, and I, I'm genuinely curious as to what you have to think about this. So do you think it's, it's societal influence pushing people to say, Hey, I think I like, uh, you know, I think I'm attracted to the same sex. Yes. And again, and again, like the, 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 the study is, is agreeing with me and I'll give you like a practical example of when I was an undergrad. When I was an undergrad, all of a sudden, like, a bunch of girls in one dorm were gay. Like, it happened over the course of two years on campus. Girls that you knew were straight freshman year were gay junior year, right? And some of them stayed that way. Some of them ended up marrying dudes after. But that was an environmental cultural factor within that dormitory that was driving that. So, so, so what is so interesting? So just to go back to what, cause I don't want to lose my train of thought. Cause I, I do that easily. Um, by that rationale, how much environmental influence would have been necessary to turn you gay? 
Um, and then the, but then to, to more directly answer, um, to respond to what you just said, uh, and that is that like that, right. That's an environment, like an environmental factor. Right. So again, going back to what I said before, people that we are seeing in the environment and also not just that, but the freedom, right? So, so I'm, I'm not sure, CEO, how old you are or when you, when you did your post-secondary, right? But it probably wasn't in the 80s, right? Um, it was and, in the late you know, 90s, yeah, late 90s. Yeah, yeah, right, sure, yeah. So, yeah, I think we're, we're close to the same age. So, um, so it, you know, by, 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 that, by that rationale, again, it's, it's at a time when it, is, when it is more accepted and acceptable to be out and be, you know, be free to experience these types of things. I mean, there has been like, it, it's, it's hypothesized that approximately 10% of all mammalian species engage in homosexual acts. So it's not oh. just human, it, it's, oh. it's not just human, it's not just human apes, right? It's, it's all the other apes and, and all of the mammals combined. Right. So, and, and, this has been, and science has been looking into this for a long time. This has been happening as long as there have been mammals, right? So it, it's, I mean, but it, I guess what the, the the bigger question is, who cares? Well, I think like, uh, so. So the well, caring that, part this, comes down well, to. Hang on, CEO. I, I want to hang on. We, we've talked about this a long time. Chris just came back in and left again because because we're still talking about this. Like, I want to see if there's another topic. But oh yeah, sure, yeah, I, no, yeah, feel free, yeah. One more free. grenade, as Mike would say, I want to throw is, would this be this would be like chemical? Or I guess you could say like environmental in a different way. Let's not forget like actual chemicals, right? I like, remember the whole turn the freaking frogs gay. Turns out everyone laughed. It's actually pretty true. Like astrazine and other chemicals, you know, have have a. I, I I'm gonna mess up the science. Like you, you Google astrazine and gay stuff. Um, but I mean, it like sticks to certain parts of the, of the body or the DNA or something that can actually influence and make people have different attractions to different sexes, as well as like, you know, feminized male brains and like masculinized female brains. Like it, all these chemicals do crazy things to the human body. So, I mean, there, there's more stuff than we're ever going to be able to quantify, but that's something that no one's even brought up. And I just now remembered, cause I was listening to an interview and like, you know, I actually looked, looked into some of the studies. I, I don't didn't get peer reviewed. I didn't go that deep because who cares, Michael, right? Um, but I mean, that's worth noting <clears throat> in this conversation, how many chemicals can actually play a part in making people's bodies and minds change in such a way that they uh, do things otherwise differently than they otherwise would have done. I think that's important to consider. Nate, but... was Michael in a room that day you were talking about the doctor who was making the case that if a boy feels like maybe you're feeling like a girl the ideal thing to do would be to actually give them testosterone first before transitioning them to being a girl. I think he was, weren't you, Michael? I don't remember that. And I would, I would try to wrestle that doctor away from that child. Okay. So, well, so Michael, hey, all right, hey, all right, so well, Nate, go ahead, Nate, give this point, please. Well, yeah, Michael, I, I hope you'll reconsider when I'm done because this is like the most easygoing minimalistic approach possible. So if you want the, the like step one, instead of jumping to a hundred, that's what this is. So basically I, I was watching, gosh, I watch interviews and never remember anyone's name, but there was this doctor who was making this case that instead of um, when someone says, you know, they, they need gender affirmation surgery, or they, they are a biological male who, you know, is a female and they need to make their, their body match their brain. So taking that candidate, 
and saying, okay, well, the first thing that, that person will do is, it, it, you know, if you're a biological male. Um, so the first thing the doctor would do is <clears throat> normally pump that person full of like estrogen hormones to just make them totally like go towards the road of a female. Then they would like do hardcore invasive, nearly irreversible surgery to change that body to match the brain that they're also saturating with the hormone associated with what they're turning that person into. So that's two things, right? That's a massive traumatizing surgery to change them in addition to massive hormone therapy. So they were floating the idea that before they jump from one to a hundred, if they say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a biological male, but I feel like a woman, instead of going the extreme route, start with a smaller step, which would be, well, take some hormone boosters for the, the you know, testosterone, which you normally, you know, you would associate you're a male, so take testosterone. So give them a, a little bit of testosterone booster and see then if they're like, oh, you know what, I guess I just had low testosterone and now my brain matches my body and yeah, I'm a guy. There's no problem anymore because it costs like 30 bucks in a few weeks of their life and there's no uh, traumatic surgery. There, there's no problem. So anyways, that, that was the idea floated. And no matter what someone thinks about gender affirming care or uh, trans issues, like if we're just talking about minimally invasive approaches, um, you know, to heal the patient, there's there's like zero logical reason why you wouldn't do that first. And then if they're like, no, I don't care how much of this testosterone you give me, I'm a woman, nothing's changing. Okay, well then considering going to the next step, that's no different than any other medical walk of life. How they usually start small and minimally invasive. And then they escalate as needed. Um, you know, like I, I had like a, a, I actually had a, a mole on my head one time and I'm like, you know, I don't like this. Um, you know, it bothers me. Can, can we just, you know, punch this thing out and just chop it off my head? And they're like, well, no, you know, we, we don't like to do that because blah, blah, blah. So like, why don't we try freezing it? Why don't we try this? Why don't we try this cream? And it uh, turns out that actually the, the cream worked. I'm like, huh, holy crap. I did not think it was going to get rid of that thing. And it did. Anyway, so that's the point, Michael. So um, would you reconsider wrestling that doctor array? Because by the way, that doctor, if the people who did the gender-affirming surgery, if they were a responsible doctor, that could be the very same doctor that you would say, well, no, don't wrestle them away because if this doesn't work, they're going to perform the gender reassignment surgery. Um, so what are your thoughts on that, Michael? Right. So there's – okay, so th there's a, a process, and I've, I've, been, I've been involved in the beginning stages of helping people – uh, kind of explore um, things when it comes to you know exploring people's uh, individuals' gender. So there there is no such thing. At least, sorry, I should I should confirm that in Canada, where you just where you walk into a doctor's office and say, "I want to be a girl," and they start pumping you full of stuff, right? Um, so there there is a process, particularly when we're talking about um, uh, young people. Right. So like uh, uh, I've seen this and it got, I deal mostly with adolescents. So like talking about adolescents. Right. Because I've, I've had that. I've had I have had adolescents come to me and say this is something that I'm considering. And the very, very first thing is counseling. That's the very first thing. And so it's so I so the reason I would say I would still wrestle that doctor away from the person is I would want to make sure that we were doing that we were going about this in the in the right way. And the very first thing that happens again in Canada is counseling. Yeah, that, that, that's right. the same here. So yep. let's say that step has happened. So counseling has happened. 
now now what's well so the next so the next thing that happens is uh, so after counseling typically there has to be a, a process where the person uh starts to live their life as the gender they identify with so this includes dressing etc right? got it so it's what that. if that that's the Nate's suggestion is provided instead. That is, so, that is, that's what we want you to react to. Right. So at that stage, um, so it, it, I think, I think what you'd have to do is as a part of it. So I think what would most likely, and in all the situations that I've been, and it's only been a handful, but in the situations that I've been involved with during that process, there hasn't been a situation that I've been involved with where the person has said, well, you know, actually, you know, maybe I'm just confused. Uh, it, it has always been that the person has continued on their journey towards uh, gender, uh, gender affirmation. How old is a person? Wait, 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 we're missing something. We're missing the whole thing. Under, under this idea, the person would have like, a low amount of whatever hormone, estrogen, testosterone, male, female, whatever, they would have a, a low, a lower than normal hormone of whatever they should have. So the idea is they would never realize that unless they had, you know, more of the correct hormone associated with their body to make them have that epiphany to be like, Oh, I was just confused. So like they, they would okay. need that okay. hormone therapy first. Otherwise they will do as you say. Okay, so so in that instance, we've moved like we're moving past my area of expertise because that would be more on the medical side, and I've never been involved in that side of the process. Well, I guess, right. and that's what we're saying. Just well, well, like see, you know, like you said earlier, Michael, like you know, it, it didn't take a medical degree. Like none of us, as far as I know, have medical degrees. Um, but but what we're saying is just like as, as a logical, breathing human being, like does that seem more or less intrusive? Um, to give someone a little bit more of a hormone that's you, you know naturally assigned with whatever they currently are to to kind of test the waters and see if that improves or changes their condition uh, or if they remain the same want to proceed, does that seem on a scale of one to ten more or less invasive than doing like traumatic surgery? So no, uh, the no, obvious it, it, answer is it's less invasive. So let's give that a shot first. Well, like, it's, it's I mean, less, that's, that's less invasive, but I think, so I think what would probably be, what would probably have to happen is like you do blood work, right? To find out, cause that's how we measure the hormones, right? We do blood work, yes. um, you know, so that do the blood work. And then again, that would be a conversation that I would never, that, that I wouldn't be privy to. That would be a conversation between the doctor and the individual. Okay. So I guess we can leave, we can leave that there. Cause I don't want Chris to run away again. Um, I have a question for Chris in a minute, but so, uh, yeah, we can we can end that there. And I will just say, you know, for me, I'll go ahead and speak and be like, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable um, to the point that I would question anyone's motives who would not suggest that first, because it's just such a like freebie. It's just such an easy thing to do that's cost effective. It's cheap. It's not invasive that um, anyone that didn't say, sure, throw that in the mix. If they really want to be, a, you know, the opposite sex or, you know, affirm their gender or whatever. Let's totally do that. But yeah, that's that that is such a reasonable suggestion. Let's do that too. anyone that didn't uh, anyone that would push back hard on that. I would question their motives and we can leave that there. Um, hang on, Michael, let, let me make you a mod real fast. Can you invite uh, Steph? She's finally pinging um, and some other people like Clubhouse is not letting me invite people up. But Chris, um, the last question on this, it was asked and I want to know your opinion. What environmental this is for you, Chris, right for you, buddy. Um, what environmental change would it take to make uh, someone a homosexual? And I'm going to say, Chris, for you, is it fair to say prison? 
Oh, damn. I mean, you know, as long as it's with Michael. Welcome, Steph. What's up? Wow. Okay. It's shooting <laughs> shot. Steph, you're, 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 you're not going to say that was sweet stuff? No. Hello? Well, I don't know. I think I could I think I think could be on board for a Michael, Chris, you know, bromance. I think that'd be all right. Ew, come on. Well, as far as a bromance goes, I think Chris and I are almost there. But yeah, I am, I am, I am firmly not attracted to the same sex. So sorry, Chris. All right, maybe if you went to prison, but maybe Michael, maybe if you went to prison with Chris, you would be. I did just trim my beard this morning, and it's looking as Steph <laughs> very, very hipsterish, I guess. Well, you didn't, didn't tell happen. me. You didn't tell me that. So. Well, I mean, you know, you, they say you can go to prison and you know hook up with dudes, and you know because it's prison, you're still straight. I mean, I don't have experience, but that's what. Well, they say. women in undergrad. I mean, this happens quite a bit, right? Women do stuff and experiment undergrad, and then they go back to being straight out, straight after. I mean, that's a yeah, decently I mean, common. Were, were, were you ever on a volleyball team by any chance? <laughs> I did no experimentation in undergrad. I was too busy trying to evangelize to my atheist, uh, you know, liberal arts school. So no. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! On the volleyball team. <clears throat> No, I, I'm the, I was, was on the softball. swim team. It was softball. Yeah, not swim, swim. All right, Steph, you, you finally pinged your way up here. So what did you uh, want to say after like an hour and a half of audience silence? I know. I'm sorry. It was on the transgender topic, though. I don't know if you want to move on. No, go ahead. Please, I'm begging so, you. As long as, Chris does, as long as Chris doesn't run away again. Can I go after her? I'll go after her. Oh, I don't even um, see who said that. That's Phil. Oh, yeah. Nate, oh, yeah. After Nate, Steph, go ahead. Uh, uh, Corletta. Yeah. Corletta was asking to be let up too, and I didn't want to abuse my power. So oh yeah, if you can, yeah, yeah, if you see anyone that wants up, let them up. It's just Clubhouse is not letting me invite people. And Bob up too. Let's do that. Let's, let's and talk about people. trans issues with Bob and baptize. Oh yeah, they're like, oh Unitarian, big. Oh, we have a question. Bob is a pastor, not about Unitarian. It's about trans issues. What do you think? <laughs> if you're a male but you wanted to be a female, how would you do that? What hormone would you use? And just watch him short circuit. And probably convert to like you Christianity. You some pithy country wisdom about, well, there's fish and then there's fowl. And, you know, it'd be something along those lines. Right? All right, Steph, was it turning the frogs yay? Was that what you wanted to talk about? <laughs> no. I wanted to ask Michael something. So, Michael, Oh, here we go. <laughs> you and I are very much uh, aligned, it tends to be, when it comes to like, uh, you know, mental health and treatment and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. I guess the... The issue that I have, because politically I'm libertarian, right? So my, my thing is always going to be do whatever you want over there as long as I can do whatever I want over here. I will not bother you the same way I don't want you to bother, not bother me, right? So as okay. far as that goes, I'm not like on a crusade against transgenderism. Um, however, that said, when we look at first line, the numbers that have come out over the past 10 years of using gender affirming counseling, medical treatments or surgeries as a first line treatment, or even as a second line treatment, is that it, it actually increases the number of suicides, right? So it's like if we're treating depression, and we see an increase in the number of suicides after this first and second line treatment is implemented, then say, oh my gosh, we should not use those treatments anymore. So the question with transgenderism becomes, why are we still confirming first-line treatments that increase suicide rates? And it's not a small increase, right? It's like a 40% increase after gender-affirming surgery because the actual problem wasn't treated. Um, the disorder was enabled. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. 
Yeah. So um, when you say disorder, I don't believe that that's actually something listed in the like 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 so so transgender or, or things like that isn't listed in the DSM as a disorder. Um, but um, yeah, I was going to say well, anymore. It was yeah well, yeah. Homosexuality used to be in the DSM, and then we learned it wasn't a disorder. Um, right, but so, so so just real quick on that, because this is the thing. Nobody is saying that, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say that homosexuality is a disorder because it does not culminate in self-harming and suicidal tendencies, right? Oh, sure it but does. things like anorexia, bulimia, and gender dysphoria are in the same category and do. Oh, homosexuality absolutely does, and and I've I've unfortunately been on the on the receiving end of having to deal with that situation where you know where individuals have died by suicide because of uh, because of being homosexual and the backlash that they faced. So I so that's actually that's, not true. Yeah, I'm not saying um, it doesn't happen. I'm saying it's not correlated to the like the the correlation between like the suicide rates among the homosexual community is not correlated in the same way that suicide rates are where they, because there's no treatment. Like, so the equivalent would be saying, okay, so suicide rates skyrocket in the gay community after what is it called? Conversion therapy. What is that called? Where like churches just yell at you to not be gay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Conversion therapy, yeah. yeah. Thanks. So if we see, oh my gosh, suicide rates skyrocket after an individual has undergone conversion therapy, we say, whoa, that's a terrible first line treatment and we shouldn't do it. Right. So that would be the equivalent. Do you see that? Well, Hang on, I, I have something I, I want to say that's directly involved with this, but uh, Phil, uh, I sorry I missed you a minute ago. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and speak, and then I, I have something that I really want to hit on this. Well, I just have a question. Um, so when we speak in tongues, the Bible actually tells us that when there's no interpreter, we should do it silently, but we see a lot of people doing it loudly nowadays. I wanted to know, what is, is that... Or am I interpreting it correctly, or was he, or did that only apply to the church in Corinth? Or uh, yeah, short answer is uh, they there should be an interpreter. So if it's something worthy of giving in tongues, there should be someone to interpret it. Um, so you could say these people are doing it with no intention of having an interpreter, which would be unbiblical. Um, if someone had an intention of doing it with an interpreter and there just was no interpreter. Um, well, then, you know, their heart may be in the right place, but it is clearly not of God, because if it was meant to be uh, interpreted by God, there would be an interpreter, um, you know, unless that person well, maybe, maybe didn't have faith and didn't have to speak, in which case, you know, so, the rocks would cry out or just would be unfulfilled. Well, we see we see some of the generals of the faith. Well, and they do it loudly. They do it. In, they do it loudly. They do it publicly. Well, when you say generals of the faith consider are they really generals of the faith so that that would be my question like give us so, i mean i i believe <clears throat> yeah like what's an example of a of one of these people you're talking about um have you ever heard of tb joshua uh john benny hen you know yeah so um yeah, these are non-christian i really <clears throat> yeah i really want to finish up the other conversation but this is a good one i, I thought it was going to be on the subject <clears throat> you know what actually yeah, what Chris said, but let us finish up this other thing real quick, and then we'll come right to this and, and uh, give you a little bit more. So don't think we're, like, kicking you down the road. Just no, hang no, on for, like, another – hang on for, like, five more minutes, and we'll be done with this, hopefully less. But, okay, back, back to the other conversation to hopefully wrap this up. I mean, it's more and more indisputable at this point, and wait another week and another month, and it'll be even more indisputable. I have faith in that claim. 
Um, but I was, I was just reading, there's this article, maybe you know him, uh, uh, Michael, it's from your country. Um, let's see. What's the name? Um, Lois Cardinal, do you know them? Apparently it's a really famous uh, post-op transsexual in, I think, Alberta. But, okay, so yeah, among, like, suicide rates, among people that have the surgery, like, with homosexuals, if it's because of, like, people persecuting them, that's external. So if there's suicide rates, that's, like Seth said, a wholly different category from what we're talking about. With the trans community, it's, like, what, 40% of trans people who have the surgery after their surgery, it's, like, 40% are, like, uh, are like suicidal or commit suicide. Like the number is in, incredible, yeah. but a lot of the, a lot of the reasons isn't uh, like persecution. They wish they could be so lucky. It's because like they can no longer function as a human, like because the surgeries were botched, they're in incredible pain. Uh, so that's why it's not because of just people saying mean things to them. Like perhaps a homosexual would take their life for, uh, but it's because they've done irreversible changes to their body. So like this person, um, Canadian, uh, I think Alberta. So check out Lois Cardinal, uh, 35, um, describes, uh, let's see themselves as the nation's first post-op transsexual. They actually petitioned your maid program with the doctor to let them die to like have euthanasia and, and have the, the government kill them because they had uh, irreversible pain and anxiety related to this. And they talked about how not to get too graphic, but basically the, the, I think the vagina that was made or whatever is like we've talked about before. It's like this gaping maw that's not healing. And it's one of the things that they cited as wanting the Canadian government to let them die under this made criteria um, because they just live constantly in pain. And so, so a lot of times these people, and I posted the article in chat so you guys can read it, but a lot of times like with the trans issues, it's not just like, oh, I had irreversible surgery. And uh, now I, I wish it could be undone or, you know, now I didn't want to do it. I wish I could, you know, trade this car back in for the original model. It's because of like irreversible pain. So it's not even about identity. It's not about sex. Like so many of these like testimonials you hear, it's about just like unimaginable, excruciating, unending pain. So well, and just for all these other. Yeah, go ahead, Steph. On that, because that's going to take, I, I think that that objection could be overcome by saying that medical science will improve, right? And so so what I was reading is more along the lines of like a, a gender dysphoria type of disorder is going to be more akin to anorexia, where it's a, it's a body dysmorphia issue, which is a psychological, like a treatable psychological condition, right? And so the idea is that if someone has anorexia and you tell them, we're going to affirm this. And, and, and again, I'm using the equivalent because, strictly because of the numbers, not because of my opinion about it, because we see that there's a sharp increase after gender-affirming treatment in suicide, right? So because of that, this is more akin to us saying, this person has anorexia, so we're going to enable the anorexia and make sure that they're affirmed in their anorexic identity and the person dies. That's something we would never do. So I guess my question originally for Michael was, and, and I think what Michael is going to say is that he doesn't agree with that. Uh, analogy and he doesn't agree with that correlation and I'm, yeah that's what I wanted to hear was kind of why sorry I sorry I was just looking at something for a second um, yeah uh, yes yeah, Steph you're a prophet this morning um, I don't necessarily agree with that with the with, with the uh, with the comparison but um, I think that yeah it, it, it's certainly a, it's certainly a lot I think that there has to be um, I think there has to be a lot more work done. Uh, like Nate, the stuff you're talking about, about, you know, someone, you know, petitioning to want to die, that's just terrible. Um, 
and I think I would want to try to help that person in any way possible. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how, um, but I think that, I think that the way to, I, I guess, I guess, I guess therapy, I, I guess psychotherapy would be a good, uh, a, a good avenue to try to, to try to treat this. And yeah, but it, they're all very interesting. They're all very interesting things. And it's not something that I deal with on a regular basis. Um, so it's harder for me to comment on, but it's, yeah, they're, it's all, it's all very, it's all very difficult. And for the people that deal with this stuff, I, f- I feel for them tremendously and, you know, wish that we could help them more. Sorry. That's probably well, totally unsatisfying stuff. Well, let's no, get back that's to a the, really uh... good answer. And I think, I think what I'm looking for <clears> is that, you know, it, that it becomes less politicized, right? Because like I said, if we, if we know that a treatment has the opposite effect than what we're looking for, we would alter the treatment. And so for me, the, the issue doesn't really become like, I don't want people to be transgender. It becomes, I don't like the numbers that, that are coming out of this treatment method. So what else do we do? And like, I don't have the answer. You know, we know that this conversion therapy doesn't work. So it's not as though we can tell transgender people that they're just not right? But we know that gender affirming surgeries as a first line of treatment is a horrible decision. So I guess that was my, that was my theory on when Nate was describing about the doctor who came in and said that they would do the biological gender treatment first. I'm thinking that probably, that probably is a better option than the affirming first line, right? Yeah. So I guess that's what it's And the heartless monster of the day award goes to Steph, um, (laughs) which, you know, is weird coming from emotionless robot Nate. When you're like, well, we can overcome that by saying medical science will improve. Uh, I get that, but you know, let me be a ble- bleeding heart for a minute. Um, but regardless, if medical science can improve or not, there's currently like a 40% suicide rate. So you know, medical science is not going to improve enough in like the next couple years, at least. I think we can safely say to to fix that and for that to be a reasonable excuse. So in the meantime, that's going to be like you know, countless amounts of trans people. Um, who want to die, and if the state says no, they can't die, they're just going to kill themselves um, because of this pain. But in addition to a painful thing, uh, many of these people, like if you've seen the documentary, What is a Woman? I get it. It's conservative red meat, whatever. But it's also not wrong. So like, you can say, well, they found the, they found the, like, the most um, egregious cases they could find. Well, yeah, but these most egregious cases are still people. So in addition to you know these testimonials, there's like five or six in the show. This this article I gave is not it's, it's completely unrelated. But um, it, even in that show, I'm thinking like these people are like having breakdowns on camera. In addition to like constant pain and all this other stuff, they're they're saying I regret this. I was pushed into it. Going back to CEOs, um, environmental issues. Like I was pushed into it. I was forced into it. People like got a hold of me. They they started affirming me even when I wasn't sure. And then I had the surgery. And now those people like forsaken me. They left me. I regret this. I'm, I'm my biological sex. I was never this. I was pushed into it. I was coerced into it. So I mean, you can say, well, that's a fringe case, or you know, they found the worst examples to make their point. These are still cases, and these are still real people. So you know, it's it's definitely worth taking a healthy dose of skepticism, and uh, you know, too. And being really, really sure that, you know, of all these pitfalls, like, you know, I talk about pitfalls of Christianity and religion and, and the potentials and of conversion of that of religion all day. Um, I'm going to stand by that. And, you know, I, maybe I'm the pitfall guy. So consider that in addition to all these other things, by the time it's said and done, these trans people are like, yeah, I'm actually not even trans. I was just made to believe this 
and got the surgery. Now I'm like left like broken, abused, bleeding, cannot heal from my pain. And all these advocates, they want nothing to do with me now because I'm, I'm saying that, you know, I actually was pushed into this. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, let's let's get back to Phil. Hey, wait a minute. You or not. Heartless. I wasn't saying that I that that's irrelevant. I was just saying if you're going to talk about long term treatment, like then the argument would become, well, then we have to improve at the medical treatment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just think I was talking about something else. But no, I feel for those people. That's horrific. Uh, can we go back to theology? Yes. Okay, so let's, uh, yeah, so Phil, you're talking about the generals of the faith and speaking in tongues. So the quick answer before we hear Chris talk about heresy, and remember, Chris, you're trying to win someone over, not uh, <laughs> not not to Christianity necessarily, yeah, but, you know, for correct. this argument. So saying things like, you know, Benny Hinn is going to split hell wide open. He is an abject demon possessed by Satan himself. Maybe true. I don't know. But, um, you know, more bees with honey, right? So, so the biblical answer, I think you got it right, Phil. What you quoted, we all agree with. Like, you know, if there is tongues, it should be from an interpreter. I differ from Chris and think that, you know, people doing what you say on, on TV and on preaching and in church without an interpreter, I believe that can be biblical, but it should be done in their own prayer time between them and God. So no matter what syllables or what creative words or whatever they're, they're trying to say or do, if the heart intent is there and like they're so much at the end themselves, they don't know what word to pray. They're effectively just making noises. Um, God knows what they're trying to convey. And I think that's just fine, but that oh. should not be done in the middle of church and everyone else. Um, Cause like, like the Bible says, if there's no interpreter, th there should be an interpreter. So if there's not, it shouldn't be done. So, so that, that's the well, biblical if, if, answer. So if someone is praying uh, by themselves, in their room, speaking in tongues loudly, loudly by themselves in their room. That's biblical. I believe so. I mean, Chris would probably disagree, but I mean, I, I base that, like people who do that, base that on like where Paul talks about, and it's completely different from the talking in tongues passage, which everyone tries to quote, but we're talking about like where Paul says, you know, when, when you, uh, you don't know the words, like the spirit will pray for you with groanings and uttering that can't be comprehended, um, that, that type. So that's where people who do that draw from the scripture on. So I believe, like, if someone is so much, you know, in anguish or they, they don't know the answer, like, I don't know, maybe there's a death, maybe there's an illness, but it's like, you know, when, when you're like, uh, I don't know, for example, like, oh, God, you know, please, this this thing in my life, you know, this thing's going on, like, ah, right? Like, you just, like, run out of words. You're just, like, like speechless, like I am right now trying to find an example. Like, when you're just speechless and all that comes out of you is just, like, nonsensical utterings and like syllables and sounds um if you don't know what you mean or if your heart doesn't even know what you're trying to pray for because you're just so like i don't know god knows and god's got you that's the point and i think so, that's a bit of biblical drawing from paul's when you don't know how to pray the spirit will pray for you but so, don't do that in a big so church when, when, so the scripture says that if there's no interpreter then we should that he should remain silent so i agree why do we now, why do we take, why, why have we made it, why are we not doing, why are we doing things besides that? That's a great question. I will turn it over to Chris. Chris, why are people like Benny Hinn and, uh, you know, other people who, who pray in tongues loudly in the middle of their sermons on, on, you know, TV or in churches with no intention of having interpreted, why do they do that, Chris? It's for show. Is there like a second or third reason or? 
just to throw out? For sure. Hmm. What about when you're in your private place, though? What about they go when you're crazy. Private... Huh? If you're private, no, if you're in private, no one's there. Do what you want. That that I'm saying that would be different than the interpreter, and, and that that's what's happening again. But but, like, that, that's, but that's different. But that's that's that the scripture says. If the scripture tells us if there's no interpreter, so even if we're alone, and we don't have an interpreter, we should still remain silent, right? No, I believe. I mean, you may get some differences from Chris, but I believe. <clears throat> That's talking about in a public church setting because where you're talking about the, the remain silent, we're using a wholly different passage to talk about doing that in like a private time. Let me just get the verse. But it's, it's where Paul talks about when you don't know how to pray, the spirit will pray for you with groanings and utterings that most people would say, oh, well, that's like talking in tongues. Uh, but yeah, so I believe the doing this without an interpreter or with an interpreter, that's for like a corporate church setting, like where other people are around and other people are hearing you because the whole mm. point of, of like talking in tongues with an interpreter is so you can communicate people uh, to people where you don't speak their language and they'll get a message. Like you'll, you'll like spit out some Chinese or something and people know you don't speak that language yet. You just mm. said it. And then one of those people will be like, I know what this guy said or vice versa or whatever. So the idea is it has to be a supernatural act of God because these people or you don't speak the language that's being spoken. Mm. Okay, okay. And uh, all right. So is there a difference between praying in tongues silently opposed to praying it loudly? Is there any difference in the effectiveness? I mean, if you're trying to, I mean, if someone's supposed to be interpreting, I mean, someone has to hear you, right? That Chris, for no, I just mean in general, like, for example, let's oh. say I'm in my house and I could be doing it loudly, but I choose to do it silently. Is there a difference in the effectiveness? No, I don't believe so, because it, God's the one God's the only one is between you and God. So, I mean, you could think it in your head. I mean, you're not hiding from God. So, I mean, if you if you scream it, if you speak it, I mean, if the idea is to communicate with God, he knows exactly what you're doing, no matter how loud or quiet you are. Hmm. So you don't think that praying out loud more vigorously with more, uh, you don't think that's more, that's different than praying silently with no sound? It's to the person. I mean, you're, you'll definitely get yourself more worked up in a frenzy if you pray out loud and like yell. And I mean, and then if you like dance or move your arms around, you'll, you'll definitely get some adrenaline pumping. So, I mean, that could encourage you to mm. be more frenzied or fervent. I, I don't know, but I mean, mm. but I mean, as far as God knowing your heart, God knows your heart. So, I mean, you know, David like danced, right? So, I mean, I guess the idea is freedom in Christ. So if some person like me, I'm not a big dancer, not a big arm waver. Um, but for some, maybe that's, that's how they want to worship God and like total freedom, um, completely, you know, not caring about anyone or anything else. Um, so, I mean, you know, David danced, he ran around, um, you know, people play music. I mean, that would be my thing, if anything, like, you know, um, I don't know, bring on some drums with some worship music. I mean, everyone's got their own way that they, that they feel more, I don't know, close to God or, or praying or whatever. But the mm. idea is the heart and the intent, which God, God's got, he knows. Okay, okay, so. Chris, you wanted to talk about theology. Go ahead and weigh in, buddy. I mean. Lots of confusing stuff there. So what I would say is that 
babbling in an unknown language is not tongues. The gift of tongues was speaking other languages um, as a supernatural sign of a judgment against Israel. I disagree. I, you can disagree all you like, but there's different kinds of what tongues. Bible teaches. So, like, you know, there's been dozens of hours about this on the app. You can look at all kinds of other resources. The idea that Charles Fox Parham came up with in 1904 um, was this ecstatic languages that is done by pagans across the world um, and atheists as well. Um, there's atheists on the app that can speak in tongues just as well as any charismatic. Um, and so what I would say is that you should re-examine the entire Do you thing. you have the gift of Look tongues? At, I'm sorry? Yes or no? What's Do you that? have the gift of tongues, yes or no? No. Exactly. So every time oh, I hear this okay, argument, so no true Scotsman. I, this argument, I see. Every time I hear this argument, it's coming from somebody that doesn't have the gift. Um, so, I can uh, I can introduce you to multiple atheists that can speak in tongues better than you can. I can introduce you to Hindus who can you speak in tongues what, better you don't than you can. Have the gift. You don't have the gift. But you don't even <laughs> understand, Phil. To be to be as charitable as I can. You have no idea what the gift of tongues even is. Like you don't have any clue. I definitely do because I actually no, you have... don't. You don't have it, and I can tell you why you don't have it because you about the to gifts... say because I lack proof or what? What are you? Gonna... No, no, no. It's because you you simply do not understand what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. You have I absolutely no biblical understanding of what that even. Well, what does means. he think they are? Is this why you want to talk about theology to? Make friends? I mean, it's just like, you know, like I get the, oh, you don't have the gift of tongues, so you can't even talk about it. It's standpoint it's to just, I've heard this argument so many times, and it's always coming from somebody that doesn't have the gift. It's like, But I can introduce you to people who used to speak in tongues and then realize that it was a bunch of nonsense. How about Pastor Damon? How about Rick Reel? How about all of the people that have been teaching these rooms that you want to ignore because it doesn't fit your worldview? So let me try to split the difference real quick. I'll just go out on a limb and, you know, for giggle's sake, not really because, I mean, maybe it's not exactly what you mean, Phil, but it's definitely more than what Chris's stance is. I'll say, sure, for, for what you're asking— I have the gift of tongues. I've spoken in tongues. I think it's legit. I don't deny it. I don't think it was a thing for a thing. I also agree biblically that there, if it's done in a public setting, which Chris would probably deny happens, I wouldn't outright deny it happens. I just say there better be an interpreter. And then how do you know if it's not orchestrated? How do you know if it's for show? Doesn't matter. That's between them and God. Maybe God will strike them if it's not. Um, anyways, if God has a message, he wants to, anyway, so forgetting that, I'll say I have this gift of tongues, yet I, um, you know, unless God, like, you know, is like straight up, spit stuff out of my mouth. I'm never doing that in public. That's not my cup of tea. That's not my thing. Uh, however, when I'm in my private prayer time, I will do this, which Chris would say, well, like the judgment of Israel and stuff like that. He would say it's not tongues because that was that. I will still say it is tongues as far as, you know, like a colloquialism for groanings and utterings. So if it comes out as popular YouTube glossolalia, Whatever. I can be like, blah, 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 blah. And that still counts because it's the intent. So what I was talking about earlier, Phil, is Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray for. The spirit himself intercedes um, for us through wordless groans and utterings. So if because of culture, that sounds like glossolalia with lots of like, you know, Shondas and Hondas and Blondas or whatever. 
um, it doesn't matter. It can be the same syllable over and over and again. The point is, if we are at the end of ourselves and we don't know in our native tongue how to express what we are trying to express, we're just like open our mouth and blah, whatever comes out, it's like from the seat of our soul that we're crying out to God for, wordless groans and utterings, he gets that. So if because of our Western culture in America or wherever else, like this glossolalia in a certain word, uh, certain words and syllables seem to be popular, and that's just what people's go-to is, I think that's totally fine. God still gets us. Um, that's, that's the point. So I will see uh, if I can split the difference. Yes, I agree with you, Phil. I agree with Chris. Um, <laughs> hope that helps. Uh, do you, do you want to respond, Phil, and then we'll let uh, Chris follow up? Yeah, man, I just, you know, I just, you know, like, you look at the, look at the chat, you know, you, you, everyone that always disagrees with this gift, they don't have it. Like, you, look at the guy in the chat, you click on his profile, he says that he doesn't have the gift. Phil, God. this is complete <laughs> and dope. utter sophistry because Felix used to speak in tongues. He was a Pentecostal for 30 years. He did it for 30 years and then realized it was fake. Get Maybe your head he, out of well, the sand. For my, for my own curiosity, real quick, hang on, between, between Chris and Felix. Okay, so because Felix, uh, Felix brought up the uh, wordless groans and utterings is not tongues. Okay, so uh, just let me know. I, I, gosh, I'm going to pull a Roy. Kind of like yes or no. Do you agree with what I said if you disagree with the terms? So Felix and Chris, if you don't think the wordless groans, is uttering, uh, wordless groans and utterings are tongues, remove tongues from that equation do you still agree with the general idea i put forward the way i i described that scenario um is that biblical if we don't call it tongues if we just call it wordless groans and utterings and that scenario i gave like ah, i don't know what i'm saying ah, I'm, i don't know what to say god i'm so at the end of myself ah, blah, 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 blah. do you still agree with the general idea of that or you just wholly write off that entire notion I'm just trying to just trying to get us on a on a path. Uh, Chris, are you, are you is that a generally me? accepted concept, or you wholly write that off? No, I wholly write that off. I think that that's okay. completely taken out of context and was was again created by Charles Fox Parham. And so what? Okay, well, I I don't know who that. I've heard the name. I don't know anything about his theology. So like, when I read that in the Bible, what is your view, your interpretation of that, where Paul is? talking and it seems pretty self-explanatory it's not so within so okay. not in the not in the sense that you're talking about so what it's talking about there is that the creation groans everything groans it is looking toward the day that we are glorified there's mm. nothing to do with it has nothing to do with our our sufferings in this life it has everything to do with we as a result of living in this fallen world suffer and it is looking forward to our glorification in Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, I I wasn't like maybe the suffering or whatever was was my bad example. I, I'm not focusing on suffering for any reason. You're so grateful and don't know how to express your gratitude. So uh, yeah, not what it's not what it's talking about in any in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, okay, most, noted. Now that uh, I'm with Nate on this one, I mean I've heard. Yeah, praying with groanings and utterings is not tongues. Like those are two different, very they're very different things. Like what Steph's baby is doing in the background. If she's trying to express gratitude and she like somehow gets an idea of God before she knows how to speak, and all she's doing is that. Nah, 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 nah. God gets it. Case closed. 
yeah, God, no, like there are yeah. emotions beyond words and that's what that's talking about right like we, we don't know what to pray like have, have you ever just been so like broken or devastated by a situation in your life that you just just your prayer is just not that's not tongues right being able to articulate a prayer and being unable to articulate a prayer and praying anyway that's what we're talking about not whether you're filled with joy or filled with sorrow or filled with desperation or whatever this is not the same thing as what we're labeling the gift of tongue what I've come to believe and think is that people that just don't have the gift, it's easier for them to hate on the gift. They just oh. accept that they just accept that they don't have it. Well, I think so let's also... let Felix speak to that because Felix had quote unquote the dumb gift that you're talking about for thirty years. Well, before Chris gets stuck by lightning, yeah. Since you came up here, Felix, let's let's hear you and uh, also Sean. But um, I think Phil, um, you know, if I was trying to play. Um, if I was trying to give you, I, I don't know, something to think about when you started talking, uh, you know, you talked about the generals of the faith and then named uh, all these pastors who, you know, Chris, who, you know, there's just like heretics, but also a lot of us. And I think Steph and, you know, other people would consider heretics, um, not maybe not with like as much fire and brimstone as Chris, but like, you know, I'm sympathetic to to you and what you're saying. But I would also say these people you brought up as generals of the faith also have serious, serious issues. So is it possible that that could play a part in maybe your understanding because these generals of the faith should not be considered that by you? And that could influence your understanding in a negative way. Um, well, these, these generals of the faith I mean, we, 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 well, we have discernment, so we can, so we have the ability to test spirits, you know, and, um, okay. I haven't uh, seen them, I haven't seen them based off of what I've seen in my observation in my discernment. I don't, I don't see them as false or, um, just charismatics. Well, let's go to Felix. Uh, Felix, welcome. Yeah, that um, the verse that you that you you guys were referring to, as far as you know, um, that that we don't know we don't know how to pray. The Spirit, you know, intercedes for us with, um, and I can't quote it, but you know, with with you said wordless utterance or groanings, right? Yeah. I, I think that what he's saying is that when we don't know what to say. The spirit intercedes for us. So the one that's doing the, uh, the the wordless utterances is not us. It would be the spirit because he's the one that's interceding. We have no word. We, we don't find the words to say, but the spirit knows, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he, he intercedes for us. That's, 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 at least that's the way I see the text. I mean, perhaps I, you know, I could be off, but that's the way I see it. Uh, can you recap that real fast? I was trying to look up the, the context of the verse. Can you, can you just recap what you said? Okay, that 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 the verse is saying mm -hmm. that when we don't know how to pray or what to say, the spirit intercedes for us. So the spirit is interceding for the one that's trying to pray but can't find like the words to express or whatever. And it's the spirit that's interceding. So and there's no utterances. It says, you know, you said wordless groans and utterances. So there are no words spoken at mm -hmm. all. So I wouldn't say that's the gift of tongues. Well, 
Right. And I, I, I said, like, you know, it's like when we say hell, it, it, no one means shield. We all mean the lake of fire. It's colloquially, I'm saying tongues, but I guess for this conversation, no one can separate that. So, you know, it, it's colloquialism, right? So if you want to say wordless groans in different translations, some, I think one says wordless groans and utterings, the ESV I'm reading now says, um, and when we know, uh, no, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, in our weakness, for we do we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So, I mean, if you said the Spirit intercedes for us, I mean, I don't think the Spirit is is groaning and stuff like that. Um, I think the Spirit knows exactly what to communicate. Um, or if you were talking, were you talking about the Holy Spirit or our Spirit? The Holy Spirit. What were you talking about? It's, well, it, well, right. So, I mean, if, well, well, right. So, I would want to talk about that because if we're, it can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wouldn't wouldn't be interceding for us. Well, for one, Jesus is our intercessor, but two, it could be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wouldn't be groaning like the Holy Spirit would know exactly what to exactly what the the right thing to say would be. So I mean, it has to be our spirit. So I mean, that's where we're talking about like from from the seat of someone's self, like your your flesh and bone like doesn't know the right words to communicate. You don't know what to say, but like the spirit or like your spirit or like you know something so deep within yourself just like spits out a bunch of stuff that makes no sense to you um, or just groanings, right? Groanings and utterings are, are too deep for words. So if you're like, like Steph was saying again, like, ah, right. I mean, you can't assign words to that. You can try, but you're going to fail because the right expression at the time is. Ah. So I would say, yeah, it's not tongues that we're talking about, like the gift of tongues with interpretations, but that is also totally a thing. And if you keep reading, it says, you know, and he who searches hearts, uh, so um, he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the knows what is in the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then it goes on. So, well, I said it was the Holy Spirit because in the Spanish translation, it capitalizes the S in spirit. So it's referring to the Holy Spirit, at least yeah. in the Spanish translation. Like this is, yeah, I agree. is I saw getting too. way right, far afield of what Phil is asking. The, the, the accusation we're getting from Phil is because we don't, quote unquote, have the gift of tongues, we're giving a fallacious interpretation of what the gift of tongues is. What I really, really, really wanted from Felix was, can you please give us a testimony of somebody who has had the gift of tongues in the past theoretically and can you please get to the heart of that that phil is making an accusation about so you want to touch on that felix yeah or are you phil, busy again? oh he's so, just typing hold on he'll toggle back he's typing right. in the chat oh, okay. Wait, what was i'm sorry well, i'm sorry i, I didn't get on Okay, so Felix. he said, "Give it, give a testimony of when you spoke in tongues and why you now realize it's all bunk." And then we'll follow that with Sean, who very much uh, currently believes in speaking in tongues, and we'll get the other side. So go ahead, Felix. Chris wants you to give a testimony of when you thought speaking in tongues, you had that gift, you did it, and it was all good. And after like three decades of it, you now realize it was all wrong. Well, the thing is, the thing is, it's not that I don't believe in the gifting of tongues. I just, what I'm saying, what I, what I believe is that what I was taught as the gift of tongues is not what I see in scripture as the gift of tongues. So if the gift of tongues, like the one I see in scripture is real, it would have to look like we see what we see in the Bible, not what I saw in church. 
Okay, so Chris got half of what he wanted. So uh, congratulations. No, no, you, that, you're that's like, exactly you're like, what I think too. So, so. Oh wait, I thought I thought you thought that tongues was like tongues no longer like like you could not get an interpreter now because that was for the judgment against Israel. So like there, if tongues was given and there was interpreter, you would be fine with that. But under your paradigm, that could never happen because there's no more testimony against Israel I would requiring say, tongues. I would say that you would be hard-pressed to find a genuine example of tongues in the last thousand years. I think but that you believe it can exist. It can exist. It I think that, but what I would want is video evidence of somebody who can be documented not to speak Chinese and busts out and speaks perfect Mandarin and then has no idea what they said, and there's somebody who speaks perfect Mandarin in the crowd who can then tell us exactly what that person said, then I would be like, yeah, that's a totally genuine expression of the gift of tongues. But if somebody says, should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia, and then they're like, oh, this means, you know, Jesus is Lord, you know, that's not a genuine expression of tongues, nor is it a genuine interpretation because it's not a human language. There's no such thing as glossolalia. That is a misinterpretation of the scripture. You're not as far away as I thought you were. I mean, that's this. Uh, Sean. Yes, sir. Good morning. <clears throat> what do you uh, got to say about this? Uh, is, yeah, and to be, hang on. To be fair, uh, since, since Sean, I don't think he was here when you started, Phil. Because Chris said we got away from your original point, but then that was even farther away from your original point. Can you just ask your original question again? It was some. It was something about tongues. And, and what what was the actual question? Like, why don't more Christians do it, or why, like, why do so many Christians oppose it? Like, what was your very beginning question? And then let's give that to Sean. Yeah. So my original question was, I said, why do we? The Bible says that if there's no interpretation that we should remain silent in the church. And then I asked you, does that apply to we should remain silent when we speak in tongues? And I said, uh, when we're in our house and we're doing it by ourselves, should we also do it silently? Because that's what Paul says. And then uh, you said that it was, that it doesn't, that when we're in the house, we can do we can do it as loud as we want when we're by ourselves. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I heard that a different way, Sean. Sorry, let me jump in real quick. So, first of all, whenever you whenever you're remaining silent, that's for the benefit of other people. So, like if like just not not talking about theology, but just like answering your question on your playing ground. So, whenever you say like we should remain silent in your house, it's for the benefit of other people, right? So, if there's not an interpreter you you would want to remain silent. So that right there doesn't say pray in tongues silently. It says remain silent. Like don't do anything. Be silent. Don't don't pray in tongues silently. Just don't pray in tongues at all. Be silent. But that would think... that would that, but but that would well I'm I'm saying what I, I'm I'm using your own words. So are you saying, you're saying are, Yeah no, go ahead. are you saying that if there's no interpreter we should not speak in tongues? Yes, but also but also that's that's like a catch twenty two, right? Are you stepping out in faith? Because until someone gives a message in tongues, even one that Chris would approve of in a foreign language being interpreted, um, you you don't automatically – I don't know how you would know that there's an interpreter ready. Um, so unless you're doing it totally naturally and uh, I, however that would work. But if you're doing this like spiritually, like if you're in a group of people and you don't know any of them, you're just rolling to a church and you feel like you need to give this message in tongue, 
tongues and spit out perfect Mandarin like Chris would be okay with, you don't know if there's an interpreter until you give that message and find out if there's an interpreter. So like, unless God says, yes, give this message, there's totally an interpreter. Um, you're going to have to like step out in faith. So then if you step out in faith and there is no interpreter well, you're going to look silly and you're going to be in biblical, well, but there's yeah, we, no we, way we, to we, know that so until you took a step out and did it. I know that we're not supposed to do it publicly when we're in front of others. What I'm talking about is when we're in our private, when we're in the hidden place, when we're in our room, when we are able to speak in tongues when we are alone. You know, we are able to speak in tongues when we're by ourselves. So you're not, are you saying that when we're home alone, we shouldn't speak in tongues unless there's an interpreter? No, because if you're home alone, there's not going to be an interpreter because you're alone. Like it's implied in the message. You know, let's get the actual verse. Give me that actual verse and let's just go to it. Because if you're the one you're talking about, the um, the be silent one, the be silent part. Because if you're home alone, you cannot have an interpreter unless someone breaks in your door and they're like, oh, I was listening outside the whole time. Well, also, if you're home alone, this is why I'm going to argue these are two separate things, right? Because if you're home alone, the the tongues is not going to be for the purpose of bringing about a revelation or congregating a group yeah. or proving the presence, right? So so if you're home alone and you're praying in a language that's unknown to you, this or whatever in utterances, like the word that they use is utterances in English. And and this is, you know, it's it's groanings too deep for work. This is not the gift of tongues. It's not functioning a purpose and doesn't need a translator. This is a completely so, different phenomenon. So tongues, we, 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 tongues is not just used to send a message. Tongues is a form of communication to God, and it's yours. It's you. It's the Holy Spirit it's praying in tongues. It's the Holy Spirit interceding for you in prayer. So yes. No, okay. So, in my personal well, so, opinion, in my personal opinion, when you're home alone, you can definitely, you can definitely pray in tongues. It's not just something that we do when, as a way to send a message to oh, the congregation. Right. Okay. Hang. Hang on. I, I see the thing here. Like I. I, 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 I hang on. Wait. Wait. Wait, Sean. It, Hey, hang on, Sean. I'm giving this question right to you. Like, I, I promise you're – this is for you, Sean. You're the one to address this. But, Phil and Sean, this is why I want you to address. Okay, we're talking about two different issues, right? So we're saying tongues, and we're saying it colloquially again, right? Like, I, I would always call it tongues because it's just easy. But if someone honestly doesn't understand the difference, like Steph is pointing out, the difference in, in groanings without words because it's, it's too deep for words, and tongues like interpretation – there, there are two different issues. If you say tongues with me, I get what you mean. But here's the verses, right? So the verse for tongues in church, like corporate people, um, where an interpreter is. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. So that address, like just reading the verse, the actual way it's written, not a paraphrase. So it doesn't say if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent. It specifically says in the church. So this is not related to when you're home alone. Because it says, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So if you have a message in tongues that you want to give, but you, I guess somehow you know there's no interpreter, then hold that and speak to God between you and himself. So pray under your breath, pray in your head. And then the verse for you would say, praying in tongues, Steph would say, praying with wordless groanings and utterings is Romans, what was it, 28... Um, 28, 20, no, hang on, hang on. 8.26. 8.26. So that's the one, right? So that's the differentiation. Talking in tongues in public, your verse is 1 Corinthians 14, 28. Talking in, quote, tongues, groanings, 
to yourself in your home, in the privacy of your own home when no one's around, that is Roman's what, guys? 826, but that would be out of context. Okay, okay, hang on. It, uh, right, we're not doing theology. I'm, I'm trying to like do this on his playing field. That's why I said. Anyway, so Sean, could you please give us your doctoral uh, thesis on these two things and, and okay. separate All right. like on All those right. two verses for the praying okay. at home One, with the Romans? Okay, wings? Romans yeah. 826 is talking about a long, all right, a long private. You don't need an interpreter. That's between you and God. Verse Corinthians 14 backs that out. Said if I pray when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, he's not speaking to men. He's speaking to God. That's to God. A message in tongues for the church is God speaking through that person for the church. And then there has to be an interpreter. But if you never, like you said, if you never step out of faith and give the message, then guess what? And the Lord will say, well, why didn't you uh, speak out what I had? I had someone there who would have gave the message, gave the interpretation. Or if you keep on reading that, it says, let him pray that he may interpret. So that's the, that's the difference. The difference. One is for private and one is for a worship service, a prayer service, a, a Bible class, when that is taking place, then definitely, and I don't want to sound like I'm preaching, but but when that is taking place, when I'm when I'm alone, me and my wife, we're praying in tongues, that's just us, and we're talking to God. And then there are times the Lord will give me a message in tongues for her, and she'll give me a message in tongues. For, he'll give her a message in tongues for, for me, and guess what? Either one of us will interpret. Now, and now, if I'm in a, as Chris would say, if I'm in a place, like I've gone into places and I do not speak uh, the language of, of, of Benin or Burundi or even Mandarin Chinese. I've done that. I don't even speak Polish. I've done that. I was in a, in a place in Cleveland, Ohio, where, they, where I was around this old man. He said, how do you speak Polish? I said, I don't. And he understood every word I said. So, so there is there are differences in how the Spirit will work with, it, with the message in tongues. It is generally done to edify self. Edify self. That's what 1 Corinthians 14, the first portion of it is. But the edification of the church for the public is for you and I and the church to be edified, which means to be strengthened, which means to be built up. There is a building up for the personal believer on his private time, personal intimate time with the Lord. But then when we are in a public worship service, that's the key, worship service, yes, there should be an interpreter. Otherwise, if I'm just praising God in tongues, that's, that's me praising God. And that's, that's different. One is for devotion, one is for work. That's the best way I can say that. Well, thanks for that, Sean. Uh, Phil, does that shed light on anything? I think you've heard the, the good, bad, and ugly. You've heard all sides of this today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I guess to uh, to recap, and then I'm going to have to run. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think I'm with you guys. I'm definitely more with you than not. And it sounds like Chris is even more with us than not. Um, cause uh, you know, I was thinking he thought it cannot exist, but 
he says, you know, something like Yushan, um, he would say, well, you know, if someone speaks in a language that they do not speak and there is an interpreter, then yes, I think it can happen. So even Chris agrees with that. He just thinks the, the times that happens is very few and far between. Um, so yeah, that's biblical. Um, and then as far as the, the praying by yourself in home, uh, technically, if you want to split hairs, I would say, I mean, you could, I would say talking in tongues, that's fine. But if you're specifically referring to the gift of tongues, like what Sean just said, I would say that is wholly different. That is the groanings and utterings because, you know, you don't know how to pray. So the spirit is praying with groanings and utterings. And uh, yeah, so I would say those are two different things. One is the gift of tongues. One is the groanings and utterings. Both, I believe, are totally fine and, uh, you know, here and alive and well today. Um, and then there's also a lot of fluff and showmanship and, you know, unbiblical use of, of things related to that, just like all kinds of other things. You know, the Bible says love and shake the dust from your feet, but people have used the Bible to, you know, do crusades and murder people. So, you know, you can, you can take something good in the Bible and use it to do all kinds of ungodly evils with it. So um, don't do that. <laughs> do it the right way. Uh, Steph, any final words of wisdom before I got to run? No, well done. Um, hang on. Charles says, Chris thinks the gift of interpretation of tongues is nothing more than a person who understands the human languages. Uh, well, I mean, he was here about five, ten minutes ago, and, you know, I, I literally paraphrased him. I literally paraphrased? I guess that's technically accurate, right? Grammar police. Anyways, all right, guys. That was a fun discussion. Wow, this was a this was a spicy one today. Like, Steph, you missed it earlier. Like, Chris is starting to, like, you know, stir up holy wars and all kinds of stuff. What? A holy war. Oh, it's fun. It. <laughs> like a couple of them. A holy war, trans war. Uh, I guess now a tongues war. But <laughs> anyways, take care, everyone. We'll see you guys later. Oh, I won't be here tomorrow. I I'm gonna go like figure out with the doctor why I'm like dying and coughing up a lung every time I take a breath. Good luck. Let us know. So, <laughs> see you guys. Pray for, pray for me. Woo